Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate the look of betrayal in my dog's eyes as I hold him down so the vet can give him his shots. Aww. Um, <laughs> my name is Kyle and today I hate that I harbor little resentments towards just about everyone. <laughs> I thought that mine, my hate... Uh, was a little bit depressing and then i read yours in the show notes <laughs> and um that sounds way more depressing but i'll say f- f- on my end first our poor little beamer boy had to have surgery like uh i guess it was like a week ago because he had a tumor in his leg Aww. we took him to the vet just like for his yearly checkup and he had like a lump on his leg that we noticed a couple weeks ago and so the doc checked it out, and he was like, yeah, I don't really know what this is. We should go ahead and get rid of it. Or he took, like, a sample or a, whatever they call that to the testing the biopsy. Thing. Yeah, biopsy. And they were like, yeah, it's probably a tumor. We don't know if it's a bad one or a not-so-bad one, but regardless, it needs to come out. So we had to take him in, and they put him under for a couple hours and cut up his leg. He has, like, a giant scar on the back of his leg. So he's been walking around the past week with one of those huge cones on yeah. his head. And Was it also super expensive? It wasn't as bad as I thought. Okay. Because because it was, like, an external thing. Like, it's not like they had to slice him open and, like, dig inside of him. Sure. Um, but the scar's a lot larger than I would have thought it, it would have been, but it is what it is. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as bad as um, I thought it might be. Because, you know, we were, when Kelly and I were talking about it, we are like, is this going to be like 1500 bucks? And it really only cost like $250 for the surgery and then an extra 100 200 for all of his meds and that kind of stuff. Right, and the anesthesia and all that. Yeah. So he's been – he's pretty much back to normal energy-wise now. He still like limps a little because his leg's all stiff. But he's done with his pain meds. He's done with his antibiotics. So he's – pretty much back to normal and i think in like a week is when we need to take him back to get his stitches out and then okay. he can lose the cone right. he is not he is not a fan of the cone i wouldn't <laughs> think so yeah harry <laughs> has a tumor on his chest mm-hmm. like this big lump on his chest it's been there for years um but i just like it what i'm mean, really what are we doing what are we doing like he's like nine or ten what are we doing man why, well, why would we? He's it isn't like, necessarily a tumor. It's just right, some kind it, of mass. Yeah, it's some kind of mass. It might that not could be, be a bunch a of things. cancerous tumor mass. Right. It could just be like a a cystic buildup or something. Right. If he's had it for a couple of years, I'm going to assume it's not a tumor because he would be dead as hell if it yeah, was a tumor. I feel like it. Well, I mean, I guess even if it was non-malignant, he'd probably be dead by yeah. now. Yeah. So he's just got he's got one little booby. Do you take him chest. to the vet every year for shots and stuff? No. Mom has never taken him, and so I haven't. That's not good for him. Well, like, he's like 9 or 10, and he's a Pekingese, so man. So what? He's only got so a couple what? years left at best. That's not the point. He needs to go to, like, get it. Like, he could have heartworms and stuff. Like, yes, okay, he may pass in a couple of years, but wouldn't you rather he live longer than that? And wouldn't you rather him not be in pain and misery for those last couple of years? I just don't have the money. It's not that expensive. It kind of is, though. It kind of for, is. For I mean, Beamers was expensive this year because they had to do, like, the biopsy. They had to do extra shots, and we got him extra meds and stuff. But normally when we take him to get all of his shots uh, and his, like, checkup, his fecal test, all that crap, it's like $115 a year. It's a lot. 
but you took on the responsibility of having this dog. Well, you mom didn't like, want him. Ugh. <laughs> like <laughs> that's you. But you, you're an adult though. You like this is your dog. You have to take care of him. Yeah, I'm an adult. I got shit to do, man. That's I got just, other bills to pay. I'm calling Dog Protective Services. All right, smack them over come. the head when they get here. They're gonna come take. They're not Harry taking my cancerous, mass-ridden, heartworm-ridden dog from me. That's just terrible. Over now, I feel so body. bad for him. I feel so terrible for him now. He's fucking fine. I would know but, if he wasn't fine. Sure, maybe he's been in pain his whole life because he hasn't been to the vet, and so you just think that he's fine. But that's just how he always is. Well, then he's used to he's, it. Oy. So I'm starting to feel a little bit of resentment towards you. Uh-huh. So why why do you feel like you have resentments towards everyone? I just well because I mean we were talking like an episode ago or two episodes ago about my low swings and stuff and like how yeah. everything that happened and I wasn't dealing well with it and how I kind of I kind of came to the realization through chatting with you a bit about how like I'm not dealing with my problems, I just suppress mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. then like wait until I don't think about it anymore and then move on. Yep. Um it's the castle way. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, we uh, have a we have a stone castle around our hearts and emotions. Right. Um so I just like I uh, was laying in bed this morning and just thinking about all like these just these and some of them aren't little, but these things that I subconsciously hold against people and it manifests in like really random circumstances um like because because i suppress it and i don't think about it i'm mm-hmm. usually totally fine with all of those people but then like something will happen where i'll think of that thing and then my mm-hmm. mood towards them sours for a little while yeah um and then i have to like suppress it again so um yeah this i don't like that and i want to try and deal with that and and I would I would guess that some of that dealing with it requires confronting people about those things. Right. But m- making an assumption, I imagine most of the dealing with it just comes with you dealing with that and being like, okay, this is this one thing that happened five years ago. This is this one thing about this person that I disagree with. Right. And you just have to accept that. Yeah, and that's easier said than done. Absolutely. Right. Um, do you want to know my resentment towards you? Oh, great. Yeah, sure. Let's get into this on a podcast that's going on the internet to everyone. What is it, man? We'll see if we do it in this sort of a venue. Uh, you know I'm not going to get particularly nasty about it. <laughs> okay. What's what's your resentment? You have to have a million resentments towards me. I'm your older brother. Well, right, so the big one that stands out that oh boy, I thought about when I woke up mm-hmm. was how like I was not in a great place in college and then you up and left and went to Georgia and left me alone. Wow. So that's what I thought wow. about this morning. I want you to know that as I sip my giant mug of coffee. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had no idea. And that's part of the I problem. I didn't either. <laughs> that's also part of the problem is I didn't realize it either. But yeah, I don't know. Like there's you and I can talk about this later as like a larger discussion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm not mad at you. No, I understand. Anymore. It's like a, it's it, it is. It's this like hidden thing that you haven't fully recognized or don't want to think about 
that you ho- kind of hold against me. Right. Whether, whether not that's rational logical. or not. Yeah, it's not yeah, always yeah. rational. I, I mean, everybody has that with tons of people. The healthy thing is to bring them out in the open and, and deal with that. Because, like I said, like I had no idea that you even felt like that at the time, much less now, seven years later, you know? Right. And, I mean, I don't know that even I realized I was feeling that at the time. Yeah. Or if I did, I suppressed it and have since forgotten that I felt that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you at home, don't let those little resentments go by unchecked. <laughs> exactly. Make yourself aware of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but on like a, a nice, a brighter note, mm-hmm. I'm done working at the high yes. school for the year. Yes. Um, I ended my time there by working an event. So my last day was supposed to be Thursday, but they canceled a day of school so that the whole district could go support the girls' basketball team when they went to state. Right. I so they added that. a day to our contract. Awesome. I had um, an event scheduled from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. that day. And then they Mm -hmm. were also like, hey, you also need to work your other job now. And I was like, okay, I'll just do both. Um, Thankfully, we didn't have any kids, so we were just cleaning the classroom all day. So I was just bouncing back and forth. I made over 20 trips from my classroom to the theater throughout the day on Friday. And then I was there from so I was there from seven fifteen to ten p.m. Wow! Uh, and then Saturday it was another all day for that dance group that was renting. So that was uh, nine thirty a.m. to around like eight fifteen, eight thirty p.m. So it was another like mm-hmm. eleven hour day yesterday. And now I'm on the other side of it, where I have like practic I have no work related thing to do until this coming Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, so jealous. I know. And then after that, I have a whole like week and a half off. And then the 22nd, I think I think it's 22nd on Friday, I have to go in for like a few hours for a thing. And then I'm done until August. Like that, the whole thing they tell you when you're in like college is, hey, man, once you're out in the real world, summer vacation doesn't exist anymore. Work you're and just, education. You work all the time. And exactly. It's like, no, for some people, you do get a summer vacation. Yeah. And it's bullshit. <laughs> well, we're not paid for those three months. <laughs> right. So we stretch our pay of nine months yeah. over 12 months. So that's yeah. why it's like, oh, teachers don't make enough money. But it's actually like because we're only getting paid for nine months out of the year. Um, right. And I'm not even a teacher, so I make even less. Uh, I'm just an aide. I have three jobs that I somehow managed to make into a living wage. Um, but, yeah, so I'm on the other end of that, and that feels pretty great. I have all these plans for I stuff bet. I want to do to the house. Oh, man, I'm so excited. So the people who live before us uh, in the house, who were in the house before us, they had a trampoline. And it was there for it must have been there for a while because there is a mm-hmm. patch of grass. Well, what, <laughs> what used to have grass now mm-hmm. is just weeds. Um, no grass will grow there. It's just these little, actually kind of pretty purple weeds um, mm-hmm. that stay there. And, like, no grass will spread there. So it's still this perfect circle almost a year later. Um, and my idea is, because it's far enough away from the shed, and, like, they have this tiny little fire pit thing on, like, a couple bricks in the back, but it's shitty and stupid and rusty and it looks bad. So mm-hmm. I want to take that circular area and pave it with bricks um, and then put in a stone fire pit in the middle of it. 
um, and like make it this nice patio like thing out in the middle of the yard and then maybe even like put benches or something in uh, around the edges so that's going to be one of my big projects to look into and price out and try and figure out how to do I looked up. Some You're gonna do this? Yeah. You're gonna like pave and brick shit? Yeah. You uh, you dig down seven inches um, around the area, and then you put in a couple inches of gravel, and then you spray it down with the hose, and you pat the gravel down, um, and then you should have just like a couple inches of thickness where you can lay the bricks, uh, lay hmm. the pavement um, or the paving stones, and that will just if you fit it tightly enough um you just pack in dirt around the edges um to keep it cinched in but once those bricks are in there and on that gravel base they're not going anywhere um so that's i home depot had a tutorial on how to do it (laughs) so there you go and i'm assuming they would not steer you wrong unless their whole thing is to steer you wrong so like a couple years down the road you gotta replace it yeah, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I know Kelly, Kelly always loves Home Depot. That's like her go-to place for all of her wood and like her furniture projects and that kind of thing. Yeah, I and feel like funny. our younger generation is really into Home Depot, and all of the older people I talk to are all Lowe's all the time. Like they will <laughs> not go to Home Depot. Like fuck Home Depot, I'm going to Lowe's. It's really weird. All of the middle age and up people I talk to, they're all Lowe's. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. Um. But she, uh, her uncle, they just redid their backyard. I think it was like it was like a year or so ago, and they put in kind of what you're talking about. Like they built a little fire pit and a path in the backyard and re uh, landscaped everything. And uh, Kelly was talking to her uncle about it because he's asking Kelly about all the stuff she does and her um, circular saw that I bought her and all that right. kind of crap. And because he wants to do some woodworking stuff. And she's like, yeah, Home Depot's been great. Like I go in there and I, I pull out the wood that I need and I could cut it myself. But, you know, most of the time I just grab one of the Home Depot guys and they go and cut the wood for me. Yeah. And he's the guys, uh, her uncle's like, really? Like they never offer to cut the wood for me when I go. It's like, you know, I have to find someone and kind of talk him into it. And I feel like I'm wasting their time. Because like, yeah, they're always really friendly and helpful for me. Well, she's and a him and I are, woman. Exactly. <laughs> him and I are like, hmm, he is a like 60 year old man. Kelly is a 30 year old attractive blonde. Hmm, I wonder why she's having better help at Home Depot with all of the other 30 year old dudes that work at Home Depot. Was she like genuine? puzzled as to why he wasn't getting the help that no, she does? No, well, it's not not that. Just more about, like, she just she made it sound like it was like, oh, yeah, they do this for everyone. Oh, and right. no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they do it for you. <laughs> so that was funny. That is, that's pretty good. Um, uh, so yeah. along with me not having to go to work anymore. Right. Um, uh, so our IT department, we have, like, a brand new IT department that came in this past year and has made, like, a lot of really positive changes. And so we have all of these old models of Chromebooks that are, like, a few years old. They're, like, a few years removed from the students um, because they got a whole new set of them. Uh, Not this past year, but the year before, my first year there. Um, So there's all these, like, old generation Chromebooks that they have, and they've cleaned them and wiped them, and they sent out an email to every pardon me to everyone and they're like look $25 and you can come get a Chromebook damn or $75 you can get an HP stream like I I did like a triple take on that email I was like how much for a Chromebook Um, I went and bought three 
So <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I've been looking for like an iPad for my DMing mm-hmm. so I can like access stuff and pull up Google Docs and pictures and stuff. Um, yeah. And so I don't have to lug all the books around because I have PDFs of the um, D&D stuff on my Google Drive. Um, so I bought, I bought three of them. I got one. My lighting guy, Tim, wanted one because I told him. I was like, Tim, I'm, I, I got to run over there before they run out of Chrome. I'm, I'm going to $25. like, $25? Get me one. I'll pay you back tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll get you one. And I'll pick up an extra one for my friends. So I went over there. I was like, is it okay if I buy three of them? <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, dude, just please take them. Yeah, they just want to get rid of <laughs> they them. They want to yeah. get rid of them. And like, they're not doing any IT support for them or exchanges or returns or anything because they're just like, they're just taking right. money and putting it in an envelope. Um, and then like marking the serial numbers off as people take them. Um, but yeah, $25 for the Chromebook and the charger. I spent more money on, um, a hard shell cover and a carrying case than I did on the Chromebook itself. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I've ordered those. And then Kara, I was like, cause I texted Kara. I was like, $25 Chromebooks. I, I got one for me, for Tim. And then I, I'm assuming one of our friends will want one. She's like, well, why wouldn't I want one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, because you already have a laptop, but her laptop is a gaming laptop, so it's pretty okay. hefty, and it's really yeah. big. I think it's like a four, what is it, like a 17, like maybe a 17-inch display, so it's pretty big, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty meaty. Um, but these Chromebooks, I mean, obviously this doesn't play well in an audio format, but Shay, you can see these things are super tiny. Yeah, very thin. Very thin. Um, they're the Samsung... X E three oh three C twelve models, which are like I oh, think Oh right, like, of course. Oh, shut up. I think they're like a few models removed from the newer Samsung ones. Yeah. Um but yeah, it totally I was able to because normally when I bring I've brought Kara's laptop before and I brought my shitty HP one that's like I'm gonna throw out before and Yeah, the sitting, tiny little thing. Yeah, that was You've like, had that for like fifteen years. Yeah, it's a touch screen. <laughs> I thought it was so yeah. cool. Yeah. Um it was like one of the first touchscreen laptops. Um, I would bring that, and I just I couldn't connect to the internet from the back of the theater when I site manage. Mm-hmm. And this one, I was able to just hop on and like watch Giant Bomb stuff, or like access my D and D Google Docs to type up some more stuff on my campaign. Um, yeah, so very very excited. Twenty five, one of the best twenty five dollars I've ever spent. Is <laughs> so cheap. It's ridiculous. You know, um, now that you have this, you know what else you could do while you're site managing uh, is contribute to our show notes for this podcast. This is like your maybe podcast find shit. maybe find some news. This maybe is upload the podcast. stuff that you've been doing earlier than the morning that we're going I'm to record doing the you podcast. A favor by co-hosting. <laughs> I'm your guest on this podcast, <laughs> Shay Russell. <laughs> right, and typically guests will, you know, put in some kind of effort. I remember last I put episode. In so much no. effort an hour hey, before the podcast. I'm teasing you for the sake of comedy. I'm teasing you. Play along. I'm, but playing, like, I know I am playing along. <laughs> I'm playing it up for the benefit right. of the listeners. Come last on, episode man. We were talking about the Call of Duty Black Ops four trailers or the oh, reveal right. or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I didn't even I didn't look watch. at it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really, I didn't look at it. I just I couldn't didn't really bring do myself to, man. I was like, I just can't do this today. Not with Call of Duty, man. Uh, most other things I could, but not with that on that but day. My other, my other thing, which is now my resentment that I harbor towards you, <laughs> is 
you're buying $25 Chromebooks and you're seeing your brother in like a month. Hey, maybe he might be interested in a Chromebook. Well, for they $25. still have them. They, they probably still have some left. Do you want me to go get you one? Yes. Okay. If it's a $25 laptop, okay. I've had my laptop for like eight years and it's a piece of junk. It was a piece of junk since the first day I had it. I mean, like these things, they like they're on the Google OS, so you can't install games. You can't no, do I don't much care. of anything. There's very little like control you have over like files and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it barely runs Chrome. It barely runs stuff. Like it runs stuff pretty slow. But it what does. The, what's the what point you of it? it? For I don't understand. Just so I have a way to bring stuff up and access stuff on the go, because I don't mm-hmm. have a laptop that can do anything currently. Right. It just, it runs stuff a little a little slowly, and on it. Well, I don't know. I haven't really tried it out at home, so maybe it's just because I was in the back of the theater and the internet connection wasn't very good that it was running more slowly. But like it was chugging a bit, mm-hmm. you know. When I, I it was when I had like four or five tabs open it would chug a bit um yeah i mean because i like i have a work laptop that i use and i have a personal laptop but that thing is like totally dead and busted it get I, it barely can turn on and so fear well i i don't know i can't imagine a time where i would go to a job where they did not provide me with a laptop but right and i mean this thing is something so limited in terms of what yeah. you can do with it that it's not gonna break it's just like <laughs> right. It's going to do the thing that it does because that's all it does. It's right. not like having a laptop where you can install a bunch of stuff on it. Um, it's probably, for me, it's probably more useful as like a third monitor almost. Like I can yeah. have, you know, our Google Docs up on that while I'm doing something else. Because I do use Google Docs a lot for, uh, obviously for this podcast and a lot of stuff for my website. And so that would be, that would be useful. Okay. So will... maybe, maybe I would be interested in a $25 piece of shit. Laptop. <laughs> yeah, I'll email the IT guy and see if there are any left. Cool. Um, so, with all of your uh, free time, I know you were, you were going to talk about your D and D pot, your D and D campaign. I'm curious to hear where that is and kind of what else you've been doing. Oh, sure. Um, so we've had three sessions now. Um, the fourth session is coming up towards the end of the month. Uh, I think it's like the 23rd or something. Um, it's just hard to get everyone together all the time. Because we have so many freaking people in the party, which leads me to my next point. Um, it's so, so hard to balance combat and encounters for these people. It's driving me nuts. Like, I, they finally had the big encounter that I had planned. At like mm-hmm. the, There was a Senate tower that had been attacked and had fallen on top of like a row of homes and, and stuff. And like basically destroyed most of a, dist- a district. Um and they fought it out in the square and like cuz the first encounter it was like f- there were four no there were three enemy dudes and then like a juvenile version of an onkeg which is mm-hmm. like this scorpion spider desert thing that can burrow and is like can do acid stuff like spray acid so like a juvenile version of that and then like a swarm of spiders it was like those five enemies then um, one of the one of the guys had an encounter with some dudes robbing a store, um, and then uh, the the whole party fought a trio of doppelgangers, um, which are a, a, a monster, and that was really hard. One of the one of them almost died during that. 
So mm-hmm. someone almost died during the first encounter. Someone almost died during the doppelganger fight. Um, and then this big, giant encounter that they've had. This is, the, I guess, technically the fourth encounter. Third encounter for the party as a whole, but fourth encounter total. Um, it was seven enemies, like seven soldier guys, a couple with crossbows, and a couple with a few with clubs and stuff. Um, a fully grown on keg. Mm-hmm. And I think that was it. Yeah, it was those eight enemies. And there were eight of them. I think there's uh, seven or eight of them, and then there's... Oh, wow, like, that's that's a very large know, party to have to manage. It's so hard. It's so hard. Um, and it's like... It's hard because you need to have either a lot of enemies or really hard enemies to combat the party size... Okay. But with a lot of enemies, things get really chaotic, and it's hard to keep track. Right. And with the really hard enemies, the problem is that it's you have to almost like custom tweak the stats where it's easy to hit, like like the, or the enemy the enemy is hard to hit, but it doesn't do a lot of damage. Yeah, so it can last a while. Otherwise, yeah. it just keeps getting hit over and over again, and they like one round it basically, kill it in a round. Um, so it's really hard to like tweak the stats. I'm trying to figure it out as I go. It's my first time DMing, and it's a, with a really big party, so it's hard. But I don't, and like, so someone actually died during this encounter. Mm-hmm. Their character died, so they failed their save throws. Um, oh, jeez, uh, <laughs> all of them, <laughs> and uh, so they died. And I was able to find a justification for them coming back. Mm-hmm. Um based on some of the talk of their backstory that I'd had with them, I did a tiny tweak to that, to their backstory, to change it a bit, to make it make more sense. Um, and in doing so, actually managed to tie it into the lore of the world a little more, which was kind of neat. Um, but then I, I basically gave him another chance, or something right. gave him another chance um, to come back. And I think he's only told one of the other party members what really happened. Um, so oh, other, okay. So there, there's a lot of, like, with a party that big, there's a lot of opportunities for inter-group dynamics and, like, side stories and, and like, uh, relationship development and stuff, which mm-hmm. uh, some of, like, they're doing some of that. I'd like to see them do a little bit more because I think that's more interesting. Um, sure. But it's also tough because I had this great idea. I was like, oh, everyone, their backstory has to be tied into the world somehow in some sort of significant way. So I've done that, and now it's like everyone has these different motivations, and it's kind of pulling them in different directions, and that's mm-hmm. making it uh, – it's making it hard because they have this meta knowledge of we need to stay together as a group to accomplish this stuff. But then there's right. like the in-campaign thing where it's like they have these motivations to – like that would want would make their character want to leave the group essentially Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like i don't know it's tough it's tough i'm figuring it out but it's really hard and what i've done is through my first two sessions i realized that as interesting and as well crafted as i have made everything and as like meticulous as i was writing it out they're not gonna fucking follow it at all they're not gonna (laughs) go along with it they're just going to do whatever the fuck they want to do. They're going to ruin yeah. all of my plans all the time. Yeah. So all the time I spend writing this stuff, drawing out these maps, planning these encounters, they're just going to fuck it all up anyways. <laughs> so now I've just started doing broad strokes sure. um, for the story stuff. And I, I know where the story needs to go anyways. Um, 
So I could probably DM the rest of this campaign improv. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know where it needs to go, and I'm j- I just have to make shit up to get them where they need to be. Like, the mm-hmm. whole... Like the whole doppelganger fight, it was like they were in the middle of this thing, and, and one of the characters decided there was a building on fire. One of the characters decides, oh, I'm going to help with the f- the bucket chain. Um, and I was like, well, I don't want him with like nothing to do, so I'll put a hot chick next to him. So he starts mm-hmm. talking to the hot chick, and like things are starting to develop while other people are risking their lives and doing <laughs> other stuff and failing a bunch of roles um, miserably. And I was like, well, let's let's make this interesting. So... Uh, let's have her sister be the little girl that's actually trapped in the building. I'll make it her sister because originally it wasn't. Um, and then, oh, she'll be like really grateful to this person for saving her sister and she'll like want to dote on them and make sure they're okay. And then just in this moment, I was like, okay, her name is Sarah. And then the little sister, I just had this moment where I was like, oh, the little sister's name is also Sarah. And then it just like this idea blossomed in my mind and like, okay, they go back to the hospital and then the, these two sisters' mother shows up. Her name is also Sarah. <laughs> so there's a mom named Sarah, an older sister, mm-hmm. and a younger sister. All three named Sarah. All three look a lot alike. <laughs> um, and then, and then I was like furiously flipping through the monster manual. I was like, what? What the fuck is that thing called? What is that thing called? What are the stats? There's gonna be a fucking fight, and I know it. <laughs> and so like they're trying to drag one of these characters like home with them so they can okay. eat him. Um, they're like, we'd love to have you for dinner. Yeah. It's like basically what they kept saying, like <laughs> shit like that. And so he, and he, like, so as a player, he's like, this is not right. I should not be doing this. And then I was like, well, I mean, would your character know that? Or would he want right. to like go along with this? He's like, I think he would want to go along with it. I was like, then go along with it. <laughs> he's like, can I roll insight? Yes. I rolled like a three. <laughs> your guy is loving this attention. Right. He thinks there's a foursome on the way. And he's very excited. Um, and so, like, I had it line up timeline-wise that the rest of the party arrives at the hospital as he's leaving with these three Sarahs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, they're like, dude, where are you going? What are you doing? You don't, like, this is weird. And, like, I had them, like, grab onto him really hard and, like, start trying to drag him away. And mm-hmm. then, so the rest of the party's like, yeah, this isn't right. And then I had them, like, attack them. So it's like, nice. so, like, they're, they shed their forms and became, like, their creepy doppelganger forms. And so they had to do this triple doppelganger fight, which was really <laughs> cool. Um, and there, there were a lot of other, like, funny tie-in moments because there's this character <laughs> who... One of my players, so not to like belabor this whole segment, but I think there's a lot of fun stuff going on. One of my guys in the previous campaign that I played in, my friend played a character named um, Murray. Yeah, named Murray, and it was like it was like a play on Bill Murray somehow. I forget how it was, but now in this campaign, he's playing a guy who's obsessed with his childhood hero who's like the hero he's basically like Gildor Lockhart um he's, okay. he's like from Harry Potter he's like this the uh this superhero adventure i don't know savant um, right who has like these short novels like these illustrated novels basically fantasy comic books um and his name is Ferrison Horde um like Harrison Ford Sure. So Ferris and Horde, and then there's like all of these issues, so like Ferris and Horde and the blankety blank. And right. so he was like in the hospital reading, and it was one about like 
this doppelganger story. And so, like, I, like, keep flash cutting over to him. And he's, like, he's reading. He's, like, yeah, and they, like, they were going to eat the people or something. Like, drag <laughs> them back to their lair. And then he has this moment where... He, like, he puts all the pieces together, like <laughs> yeah. like the, the math formulas are going around his head, and he puts the pieces together, and he runs out screaming, doppelganger! And, <laughs> and like, that's what kicks off the conflict, and like, it was a lot of fun. The most fun we've had is when I'm just making shit up. Right. And so to wrap it all back around, I think I'm just going to do more of that. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it makes sense up front for you to do all the legwork. And I think we talked about this, like, to know all the intricacies of the world and the characters and everything. But once you put it out, it's like, it just becomes its own thing. And they're, because they're really the storytellers, you know? They're going to do whatever they want to do and you have to adapt your plans to fit that. Right. So it doesn't make sense. Because, like, the more you try to pigeonhole them, the less fun it's going to be for them as players. And the more they're going to want to actively go against it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, fun though. It's it's a lot of fun. And like it's part of me is like, man, I had a story I really wanted to tell, but then I had to like take a step back and be like, this is actually their story. Right. It's my world, but it's their story, and I need to yeah. make it fun for them. Because when it's fun for them, it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um is what I'm kind of learning. And like I'm not afraid to do ridiculous stuff. And like it's it's always interesting. I have to be careful what I make up because they will see significance in literally anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cause they're looking for the deep, like they're exactly. looking for the hidden whatevers. Yeah. yeah like I, and I hope through playing more sessions, they'll realize that, Oh, Kyle's just, this is all flavor text stuff. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe right. they'll just always be like, wait, the stone is black. That must mean this. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, it just looks cool. Um, so yeah, it continues to be interesting. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Well, I have some good news, especially for listeners. I played and watched some new stuff in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> That's good. So I can actually contribute to uh, video games and whatnot. Although I will say, before I dive into my new things, it only makes sense. I, d- I beat God of War okay. and I beat Bioshock. So to close the loop on those two guys, I guess Bioshock, because that's kind of a shorter thing to talk about. I had forgotten, because it's been years since I've played it. I forgot how long that game is, and frankly, like, I was ready for it to be done, like, three levels before it finished, because you get to the whole point where you're becoming a big daddy, and that's when I was like, all right, I'm done with this game now, I'm ready for the final boss, and then even after you become a big daddy, you have to do the whole segment where you're escorting the little sisters through, which I thought was a really tedious thing, even the first time I played it, and so now, when I was ready for the game to be done, you have to do it again, and then there's that final bo- boss battle, which is so it's underwhelming. Bad. Well, I mean, it's not even just that it's bad. It, it like it's so straightforward for one. And I like I beat him so easily because I'm all leveled up. I have like max ammo and all my ammo types. And granted, I knew what was coming, and so I could prep for it. But like, all you have to do is put out some, uh, you know, uh, proximity mines next to explosive canisters and then like as he runs around and chases you he's just blowing himself up and it's just like i don't know it becomes very easy very quickly and i beat him in like three minutes so you go through this whole game where because i play so methodically i want to explore every nook and cranny i always want to be prepped i backtrack to make sure i'm maxed out on my ammo so i mean it took me like 30 hours to beat this game and then i beat the final boss in three minutes and it's just kind of one of those like ugh. 
bums you out. Yeah. I still obviously think the game is absolutely amazing, but I remember that last boss battle not leaving the greatest taste. Really, that whole last chunk of story not leaving the greatest taste compared to all the insanity and awesomeness that comes earlier. Right. It kind of kills its own momentum in like a really yeah. big way. Because like if you had become a big daddy, but they made that process faster or right. like within like one sequence where you're becoming right. a big daddy and then you like guard the little sister that'd be one thing but it's this whole new area where you have to piecemeal get all the parts together mm-hmm. and then like make those improvements and i think there's something to be said about like oh i have the boots or the suit now so i clomp when i walk and like the yeah small i like changes. that yeah yeah that stuff's cool but it really killed its own momentum because it's 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 such a powerhouse after the andrew ryan uh, would you yes. kindly moment that reveal like and right. then it's just like you hit a wall in that new area um yeah and and like it was funny i was thinking because you know with hindsight knowing bioshock 2 you play as a big daddy and one of the ways they compensate for you feeling more powerful in that game is to make the enemies more difficult like when you fight the regular dudes there are more of them you fight the big sisters which are a lot faster which compensates for your kind of more lumbering whatever right so one of the like when you're a big daddy, you have that final little fight against the big daddy at the end as you're escorting the little sister. And it, it becomes very trivial because you're so much more powerful. And that's like a fun power trip moment yeah. where, like, you've been struggling against the big daddies this whole time. And then now you come across one and you just kick his ass. And that's fun. But, like, then you just move on to their Andrew Ryan fight. And that's really the end of it. I would have preferred a longer sequence before the Andrew Ryan fight or even during the Andrew Ryan fight where you're fighting, like, multiple big daddies at once. Like, that is something that could have been really cool. Like, hey, you kick this one big daddy's ass and that's that power trip moment. But then when you move on to the next area as you're getting ready to confront uh, Fontaine, he kind of does the, like... He, you know, some sort of plasmid or whatever justification you want where he takes control of all the big daddies. And so, like, hey, five of them bum rush you at once in this big open area. That would have been a lot more of an exciting ramp up to the final boss versus just, like, you kick the big daddy's ass and then you fight the final boss. I don't know. It yeah. is, it's the, the, the difficulty ramp doesn't really exist in that point. And I think it, there could have been a cooler way of doing that. Yeah. But it's still the be- best game ever made, so whatever. <laughs> Um, so God of War, I played so much fucking God of War in the past two weeks because I was like, I really, it was just like one week after the last podcast. I was like, I need to finish this game before the next episode. And so I beat it all in like one week and one weekend. And there was a lot more left than I thought. And it's because the game does this kind of annoying thing at the end where like you get the thing that you need to go to the place You get ready to go to the place and like it unlocks one door and then it's like, oh no, you need this other thing to unlock the second door. And so then you have to go backtrack and find that thing. You come back and you unlock the second door and then it's like, oh no, there's a third door where you need a different thing. And that kind of makes the very end of the game feel like unnecessarily prolonged, which got kind of frustrating. But I think maybe I felt that way um, more specifically because I was trying to finish it. Yeah. Not that like I wanted to rush it or that I was ready for it to end because I, I loved the game, but because I was so hell-bent on finishing it soon, I was like, I would reach those points and be like, oh, fuck, just let me finish the game. I think a better way of setting that up would have been finding some way of 
after you unlock the first door, you open up new side activities and then the second door and then you open up new side activities because by the point, by the time I had reached that, I had done all the side missions other than like beating the hidden boss Valkyries other than doing the, um, whatever that mode is on like the lava planet, the challenge mode. And then there's another uh, realm that you unlock where it's like a, a treasure hunt mode kind of thing where like you're in this mist that slowly depletes your health basically. And so it's like a timed thing where you have to run and solve these puzzles and fight enemies in order to unlock chests. And you get this special uh, currency that you use to unlock other chests to get really rare gear. And it's like a fun side area that I played around with for a couple hours. But like I had done that before I I had done all that stuff before I got to these final door unlocks. And so then it's just tedious like you do this thing and then you have to go do this other thing and then you have to go do this other thing all while you're waiting to fight the final boss. Um I heard a lot of people complaining online about the final boss and kind of how it was underwhelming. I didn't really feel that way. It was kind of straightforward like it was just more of what you've already been doing so in that capacity i could see it as being underwhelming but i mean i enjoyed the ride the full way through the story doesn't totally stick the landing with um freya who's the 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 witch character right. and then balder who is the odin's son that kicks your ass in the beginning of the game everything doesn't totally come together in a sat- super satisfying way but there are some really fun reveals about Atreus's character, which I really liked at the end, uh, where it's one of those where, like, the reveal happens, and I didn't see it coming, but once the reveal happens, you're like, oh, this totally makes sense. And to me, that's really, really good writing, where it can surprise you, but make you feel like, oh, I should have seen this the whole way through. Yeah. I, I really like that kind of stuff. Um, I never felt better about the menus and the customization and leveling up your armor that still never really clicked with me thankfully i did get to a point where i had so many resources and even some of the rare resources to where i could craft like three or four different high level armor sets and level them all up pretty high so i kind of had choices on what armor i wanted to use i never felt like they made a significant different to how difference to how i was playing the game it was frankly more like I used the one I thought looked the coolest. Right. Um, and, it, it, you know, it gave me a little bit of a bonus towards defense versus this other one gave me a little bit of bonus towards my attack. There's not a huge difference between the two, so I think the defense is cooler. I'll use that one. The enchantments get pretty crazy. Like, once you get into the more of the legendary and the exotic enchantments that you get from doing a lot of the side activities, a lot of those are really cool. I had two that gave, like, plus seven to every stat. And oh, so at geez. that point, like, that's that's pretty awesome. Like, that's that's a big difference to make is wearing both of those. And once you get this high-level gear fully leveled up, you can have, like, 12 enchantments oh across your different pieces of armor. So, like, it, it, it enables a lot of customization on that side and helps make you feel a lot more powerful, which, which I thought was cool. Um, really, the only stuff that's outstanding for me is finishing the challenge mode area finishing that mist treasure hunt area and then beating all the valkyries i did beat the first valkyrie who are like the optional side bosses that are really difficult i beat the first one i think i beat her on my second try and it was like that was the hardest fight i had in the game easily and i found like three or four other ones that i went ahead and tried 
and each one kicked my ass three times in a row. And then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to try to fight you. And then I'd go find the other one and she would kick my ass three times in a row. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to fight you. So I don't know that I'm going to go back and fight the Valkyries just because they're like the uber bosses. Uh, but for people looking for that really, really hard combat challenge, um, that's where you will find that. Because a lot of the combat gets a little bit trivial towards the end of the game. Okay, I just, I just um, don't still don't feel good about the combat. Something about it doesn't feel it's too slow. It's too slow. It's not snappy enough. So, and I know you good. know this because because you I know you you listen to the spoiler cast, the Giant Bomb spoiler cast, yeah. right? So, and I mean, and this is a spoiler for the game for anybody that that doesn't want to know. But um, about two thirds of the way through, you get the Blades of Chaos again, and yeah. so that opens up a separate fight tree with that weapon and you know it's more about crowd control fighting guys at distance versus the axe is more about the kind of solo heavy enemy one-on-one sort of thing and that i really liked it's not as easy as i wish it was to switch back and forth mid-combat um but it did really open up the combat right when i was getting to the point where like I was losing some of the excitement about fighting with the axe. I got the Blades of Chaos, and that really changed things up for me in a big way that that reinvigorated my enjoyment of the combat. I think towards the end of the game, because they so typically throw tons of enemies at you every single fight, I used the Blades of Chaos way more than the axe towards the end of the game. And so that... I didn't love just because the axe was like my weapon. That's what I was really comfortable using in the beginning. And you grow to really enjoy it, learn all the intricacies. And so once it throws the Blades of Chaos at you and you mostly are using that, it was, I don't know. I didn't love that part of it. I would have liked it to encourage you to use both a little bit more. Um, But I'm sure some other people had a different experience where like they just stuck with the axe as much as they could because that's what they like to use. So I don't know. It's kind of... It'll vary player by player, but I I will say that I had a similar problem as you as you where the combat was getting a little tedious is kind of an exaggeration, but like I wasn't loving it as much as I was in the beginning, and the Blades of Chaos helped fix that problem in the short term. Okay. Um. So no, I mean you and I talked offline about it that you, you're not sure that you're going to go back to it now that you kind of know what happens and you yeah. weren't obviously loving the game, but. I don't know. It it still sounds to me like you were you were right at the turning point when it starts to get awesome. And I know that's that's as, that's like you know talking about Final Fantasy thirteen of like if you can get through the first twenty hours, then it gets awesome. Right. And it's it's like that on a smaller scale. Where I mean, you need to play the game for like ten hours before it gets really really good, which is a it's a big ask. But I don't know. I, I because I enjoyed the game so much, and obviously still agree with you on a lot of the little complaints. I don't know. I think that you might turn your mind on it if you kept going. Yeah, it's possible. Because like when I started, I was I was way into it at the beginning. I was yeah. so into it like the the tone of it, like the interactions with the Treus and like I was really into the combat and throwing the axe and stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And then it opened up and I started messing around and then it just over the course of like five or six hours of messing around in that open areas those open areas, I just like it was just a precipitous drop and then eventually i was like i don't want to do this anymore um and like even with like like the big dragon battle and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff going on none of that was like woo i just it just (laughs) it never brought it back up for me um it's it's a much 
I mean, it still has some of those big God of War moments. They certainly don't have as many on the scale that it had before. But to me, I I almost prefer that because it makes those moments stand out a little bit more. Like the scale, those large scale things feel more epic than in the original game is because everything you're doing is like catastrophic, you know? And so it kind of all blends in together a bit. Um, I thought that this was a little more differentiated. The last little thing that I did like, because you know, I know uh, we complained a lot up front about having a lot of stuff in areas that were gated off by enemies that were too hard. Like, you know, you're level two and you're coming across level six, level seven guys that you can't possibly beat. And a lot of that was kind of frustrating because it was like the game was telling you you're not allowed to go here yet, but not guiding you in a way where you know that up front you just have to go die and then you're like oh now i know i can't go there so it was fun to go back towards the ends of the game to all those areas and those little tiny mini bosses and completely fucking kick their asses (laughs) that was very satisfying to go back and do all of that so um i mean it's 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 a phenomenal game. I have not played that many new games this year yet, unfortunately, but it's obviously the standout for my gaming time thus far in 2018. I'll say that much. Okay. Do you think it could potentially be in your uh, God of the Year list? <laughs> it'll, it'll. I mean, it'll definitely be in the top ten. I have a hard time imagining it won't be in the top ten. I if it and I have enough problems with it where I'd be surprised if it ended up being my game of the year. But it's also hard to say. Because, like, coming out of Horizon Zero Dawn, initially I was like, this is a lock for my game of the year. I cannot imagine another game beating this. And then, like, a month or two after finishing it, I had, like, a lot of the little problems I had felt a lot more significant. Where I was like... Uh, and it was like going into the Frozen Wild stuff where I was like, there's so many things about this game that annoy me. It's hard for me to justify it being that high on my personal list. But then when it came down to actually writing it, it was a really strong contender for my game of the year. Sure. And it ended up at number two. So it's like, it's hard to know how I'm going to feel when I put the list together. Um, but it's pretty much a lock to make the top ten for me. Okay, uh, I still can't I, yeah, believe I, we're already halfway through 2018. I know. That's and messed up, dude. I realized, because I, I did play a new 2018 game uh, in the past two weeks, and I realized it was only the third game that released this year that I have played so far. So I need to pick that up a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, so I guess just to, to talk about that. So I started Celeste. So Celeste is a... Uh, like a 2D side-scrolling platformer. It's very kind of a hardcore platformer in the vein of Super Meat Boy kind of style. Really intricate um, level design and quick respawn. We're like, you're going to die a lot in, in order to figure out what you need to do and get all the mechanics right. Those aren't typically my kind of game just because I'm 30 years old and I don't enjoy being frustrated while I'm doing something that I normally enjoy. I don't like frustrating video games anymore. And this is one of those. It is so well done that I feel the need to keep playing it despite the fact that after I'm done with like a sequence of levels, I'm drenched in sweat and shaking (laughs) in frustration and anger. I still want to keep going back because it's so well designed. Um... I'm really enjoying the little bit of story that you get. I'm still pretty early on. I'm, I'm on like level four or five. I don't know how many there are, but I imagine there are 10 or 12. Um, I really like the characters. It does the thing with dialogue where it's like 
the Charlie Brown kind of sound. And it's very annoying. And I absolutely hate the sounds of the characters. But the text is very witty. I really, the characters are very lovable. Um, There's one sequence where you're going through this like run down hotel in the mountains that's run by a ghost and he's like trying to still manage the hotel even though it's being taken over by these like dark forces and dark magic and shit and just he's like he's very insecure and he kind of does the bipolar thing where he talks to you and like oh yes of course I'll take you to the presidential suite and then he goes to the side he's like don't take her to the presidential suite it's run down she'll never like it she's gonna leave make sure she stays and he's like oh yes right this way like it's that kind of thing and it's just very cute the music is also really good, and uh, like each level is built up of twenty to twenty-five smaller tile sets, basically. And uh, each time you beat a tile set, it kind of like adds an additional element to the music that's playing, which is like a really cool. I don't know. I, I've I kind of vibe along with the music while I'm playing it. Um, I suck at it. I typically die 100 to 150 times per level, (laughs) which is a lot. Uh, The most recent one in the hotel area that I beat, I think I died like 360 times. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so it's a lot. I I die a lot in that game. I'm not very good at it, but I'm still enjoying it. Well, you're still getting it. Yeah, I'm still beating it. There, I mean... There are different little side because like what you're trying to do is get through it, but there are also you're gathering strawberries, which is kind of like the points system. And there are like, you know, 15, 20, 25 strawberries in each level. And a lot of them are like hard side areas. And so a lot of my deaths are going and trying to get those. Right. um, There's a special music room in each level where you unlock a B side of the level, which is an even harder version of it. Uh, And so a lot of those music timed ones are also difficult that I've been trying to do. Uh, I'm certainly not getting all the strawberries. I typically get like a half to two thirds of them. And then a bunch of them I give up on after I die 30 (laughs) times in a row. Yeah. Is Uh, there any significance to getting those or are they just like, I mean, not yet. I, I would assume it's a collectathon. You just you get a thousand points when you get a strawberry. I don't know if it gives you a different ending depending on how many you get. I have no idea. Uh, but it's just like the little side collectible things that you're trying to get. The biggest frustration I'm having with the game, which is contributing to me not being good at it, is just using the analog stick. Because it's very intricate platforming where you need perfectly timed dashes and diagonal moves and the analog stick on the ps4 just doesn't really give you that level of detail that you need and so a lot of my deaths come not from me screwing up or not timing it right but i end up jumping in a diagonal when i was trying to jump Mm. horizontally and i feel like that's not my fault yeah that's frustrating that's frustrating I would use the D-pad, but on the PS4, the D-pad does not have a diagonal move. It's just up and down, left and right. right. And so you kind of have to hit left. Like to diagonal right, you have to hit up and right at the same time. And that's just not as usable as it kind of needs to be. Right. So that's my biggest piece of frustration with it. Maybe I would have been better off trying this on the Switch, which has a little bit better and um, more... Uh, minute movement of the analog stick on the switch but i don't know i I, i'm still really enjoying the game this is another one where if i keep going and i don't hit that 
frustration wall where I could see this being a top 10 game for me just because it's so well designed and all the little kind of extras about the characters and the writing and the music are all really awesome as well. Okay. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Cool. Um, what about any video games for you? Oh, um, a few. So uh, my fiance and I, like the Stardew Valley co-op beta is out right now. You just have to hop into the beta branch on Steam. Um, So she and I have been playing that. That's a ton of fun. We're really Mm -hmm. loving that. It's actually like a really efficient way to play because like I fish and do the farm and then she goes down in the mine and is like doing all the donations and stuff um, and like goes and forages. So we've kind of like split our duties in a way that really works because like she hates fishing and she's like meh on the farming and that's what I like doing. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's worked out really well. Um, It's weird because like you share a pool of money and like she has her own separate house, like separate building that she goes to um, and like she can decorate and stuff. Um, But like we share like all the chests and like the furnaces and we share a pool of money. And the weird thing is, and it's a beta, um, when you get far along, uh, far enough along on a, a skill branch, like fishing or farming, you can pick, like, there's skill options. So you can pick one or the other, depending on how you like to do it. Like, for the fishing thing, it's like, oh, crab pots cost less to build. And then, eventually, it's crab pots. You don't need to put bait in them every day. They just automatically catch shit. So, that's what mm-hmm. I did for that. And then, for farming, it's like, oh, do you want, um, oh, what is it? It's like, f- um crops are worth 10% more or another option but uh, I was like okay yeah totally crops are worth 10% more so at the end of the day you have like a spreadsheet that breaks down how much money you made from what things that you Mm -hmm. sold during the day so on my screen my farming cell value is higher than hers because I have a 10% skill thing and she doesn't and I don't know which person's cash total it takes for the pool of money um we have not like paid attention to how much money we have at the end of the day and how much Mm -hmm. we start with so i need to look into that and see if that's like a bug or if it's actually doing it correctly and it's just displaying it weirdly um so that's just like a weird little thing like sometimes i'm down on the docks fishing and i can hear her walking around in the mine like there's like weird (laughs) sound things like that that happen too um but it's a lot of fun it's really really cool um, is it does it change the game in any way to adjust for there being two players or is it just the same game it's just two people it's pretty much the same game i mean you can go mm-hmm. to robin the carpenter lady and have her build extra houses so you can like bring more people in um, okay and yeah i mean like you can build relationships separately like between the two of you playing you can build relationships with different people separately like it tracks that differently um and you can both marry whoever. I mean, I, obviously, when one of you marries that person, the other person can't then also marry that person. Yeah. Um, so that still tracks. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Really interesting. Um, yeah. Pretty cool, though. Uh, and I think the town hall, like when you donate stuff, it does it for all the people playing. Okay. Um, and I've noticed, like the quests on the like quest board every day the dailies that pop up um the errands they're different for each of us so it's hmm. like different things pop up like oh mine's catch or or kill 10 slimes today and hers is like oh this dude needs a red snapper fish 
So it's like different for each of us. And like we, yeah, we were both that's... able to get the backpack upgrades, but you had to buy them separately. Right. And like you then, but the nice thing, another nice thing is you have two sets of tools because there are two of you. So like you start with two full sets of tools. So like in single player, it's like, oh, I want to upgrade my watering can. I'm not going to be able to water crops for a couple of days while it's being upgraded. So I want to mm. do it on a day where it's going to rain. Um, so then I can not have to water them, pick it up the next day, and then be able to water still. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's like, oh, I'm upgrading the watering can. She had a watering can, so I can still use hers uh, yeah. or, like, an axe or whatever it is. Like, you still have a backup version of it, um, which is cool. Yeah, I think there's, like, there's a lot of benefits to doing that. Um, it's really fun. It's a cool thing to add, just, like, yeah. even if they don't really change the game, but just allowing you to play with someone else. It's, you know, the game's been out what two years now so it's like a cool just a new way to play yeah. the same game and it's kind of re revitalize it because like i've started a several single player worlds right um and like this is a fun thing for her and i to be able to do together because we both really like the game um yeah. i played state of decay 2 okay it is f- hot new xbox release yeah it is fun with a question mark um, right. <laughs> it's extremely stressful but it's manageable if you're good at it like, there's a lot going on. There are a lot of systems at play, a lot of stats yeah. to keep track of. And frankly, I don't know that it gives you very good ways to, like, track some of those things. Like, it doesn't tell you how much food or medicine or whatever you're going to use every day. Like, mm. that, it could benefit from something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like... Because you, you have your main base and you have these outposts you can take over that give you passives. Like, oh, it generates a food a day or generates a fuel a day or two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, around each outpost, it generates a small safe zone. So, like, you can you don't have to worry about zombies in that area. Um, and uh, it's... It's okay. It's okay. Like, the controls, <laughs> it doesn't control well. Like, the shooting doesn't feel good. And I'm on mouse and keyboard. I can't even imagine playing with a controller. Um, but, like, it just it doesn't control all that well. Um, it's... I, I'm not sure if I like it or not. But, like, so you play as a character for a little while, and then they get tired and they need to sleep and rest. So you have to go back and switch off to another character. Otherwise, you get, like, stat and health debuffs okay. for, like exhausting that person too much so like you're constantly like switching through the characters and i don't know if it helps if it helps you make a connection or become or become like attached to all of the characters or if it does the opposite and make sure you don't get attached to any of the characters i have not Mm -hmm. decided that yet Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure like what the end game looks like. Like there's an upgrade for my command center thing and my main base where I can, d- I can find an exit point for the map, but I don't know if I should build it yet or not because I still have like a <laughs> bunch of these like nest things that can be destroyed. Like the game, it never really sets up how you progress. It's just like you're here and like, <laughs> these are the different things that are on the map. Um, and there's like there's all these different factions, and it's hard to know. Like you get all these calls over the radio, like we need help or we have like a thing. If it's from just like a random stranger, you don't have to worry about it. But if it's from a faction, 
then you want to take yeah. care of it because if you keep ignoring calls, they'll like vilify you and like yeah. attack you, and they won't be your friends <laughs> anymore. So it's it's kind of a game that you need to read a how to on. Like, you mm-hmm. greatly benefit from that. Otherwise, you'll really screw yourself over. And it's very punishing. Like, I mean, if you if a character dies, they're dead. They're just, mm-hmm. they're dead and they're gone. I have not had anybody die yet. Um, miraculously, it's been real close <laughs> several times. But I've not had anyone die yet. And there are, there are three maps, and I know from reading and through, like, osmosis of stuff online that you progress through the three maps and you can like take your people with you and like take like a truckload of supplies with you okay. from map to map. And I think you're supposed to destroy all the nests before you leave. But like the upgrade, like you have to spend all these resources and all these like reputation points to build this upgrade that makes the exit points show up and it has mm-hmm. a timer on it. It's like there's it'll it'll be there for 60 hours of real okay. time. And so it's like what like what are it's weird. Like, why wouldn't it just be a permanent thing? Like, why put the timer on this? And that's a lot of the, a lot of the game feels like they're adding all these necessary little like timers and these little stipulations and these little systems just to make it so that you don't feel like you have everything under control. Sure, there, it's there's always there's always something you're forgetting about. Mm-hmm. Um. And that makes for a more challenging experience, but it's also, it can be frustrating. Um, I haven't encountered anything that was, like, really detrimental uh, yet or, like, caused something irreparable to happen. But I feel like that could be around any corner. And there's a lot of tension that goes along with that, but I think it's a bad tension. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the thing I like about the zombie survival games and stuff is building up to the point where there's no threat anymore like you have conquered it and this definitely seems like a game where you're never going to actually conquer it you're just (laughs) going to be there's always something to fix it's just about staying alive right Mm -hmm. um which i mean there's something to be said for that i think because you know other games don't do that um i just don't know if it's for me or not i'm having fun i think playing it um. Yeah, I I would like to try the co-op, but I don't know of anybody else who's playing it, so I don't know. So is that sense of discovery working for you? Because you say like, oh, it would you could use a how-to to know how to do everything, and obviously it seems intentional that they want you to experiment and fail and learn in that way. So is that not is that aspect not really working for you? It's right, just yeah, more that, frustrating. Yeah, that would. If I were to experiment and fail and, like, lose a survivor yeah. or something, that would be very bad. I would not right. want to play right. anymore. You would feel like you needed to start a new game. Right. Because then yeah. at that point, I would feel like the game has taken my control of my story away from me um, mm-hmm. because it is a game and not mm-hmm. because of something else. Like, if you... The, the the gaminess, like the mechanics, I feel like are the thing that would screw me over, not like okay, not how effectively I plan or how effectively I run the community, but something mechanics related that would screw me over that the game doesn't surface in um, a reasonable way. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that worries me, and that's why I looked up like 
things you should know before playing State of Decay 2. Right. Um, or, like, you know, like, tips for success. I've read a few of those articles and stuff so that I don't make those mistakes because I think that would just wind up being frustration and, like, in, that would just give me a lot of frustration as opposed to it being, like, okay, I've learned and I'm going to do this now because there's no way to go back. Right. If it was, like, if they, they were you had save slots and you could, mm-hmm. like, go back... That'd be one thing, but the game it's always saving. It's like Minecraft, basically. Like mm-hmm. it's always saving. Um, so everything you do. So I don't know. Just beware of that. I think there's definitely a space for this game because it no other game does this. Um, does the same thing. It's like it's a fresh thing in the zombie survival genre, which is a genre where there are not a lot of fresh things. Um, <laughs> so I definitely think there's a space for it. I know a lot of people are really having positive experiences with it. I just, I worry that I'm always a step or two away from something happening where I have to put it down forever. And that yeah. worry is enough to keep me from playing more of it. You <laughs> right. Um, You're just waiting for that to happen. Right. And so it's like, I don't want to play because I don't want something bad to happen. Because right now, <laughs> if I just leave it the way it is, everyone's alive. If I don't right. play it, everyone's alive and fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm, sh- I'm sure I'll play more of it because it's going to be a long summer for me. Um, I'm sure I'll play that well, and, and God of War. And, and there's not a ton else to play on Xbox anyway. Well, I'm playing on PC. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I just got it on the Microsoft Store. So, I mean, I can play it either place, but... Well, then there's PC. even less to play on Xbox. Because yeah. on Xbox, it's 30 <laughs> frames locked. And on PC, I'm getting like 50 to 60, I think. Mm-hmm. So it runs better. Um, I got Pokemon Quest on Switch. Yeah, so what makes sense? Should we to go ahead and talk about this news story first? Just to give the context of oh, this? Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, well no, let's all fine. wait to talk about Pokemon Quest until we get to that. Um, okay, sure, sure. Because I, well, I have two that, more cause, things. Because I wanted to mention, too, I uh, picked up... I don't know what made me want to. I think it was all the Pokemon news made me Pokemon nostalgic. Sure. So I, uh, our PC, like, months and months ago, got completely wiped. We had to, like, delete everything off of it, Ugh. get a new OS, whatever. And so I never play games on PC anymore, so I don't have any games installed. Like, I went and looked at... I think I have Skyrim and my, Minecraft are the only... PC games that are even installed on my computer anymore. And I was really wanting to play Pokemon. So I went and downloaded a ROM and got, or sorry, is that right? A an ROM? emulator and then got an the emulator. ROM. Thank you. I had, of course, had to Google how you do all of this again because I did it a couple of years ago and had all my games and everything I wanted and then it all got wiped. So yeah, I downloaded an emulator and downloaded the Pokemon Heart Gold ROM. So I've been playing that, and that's just it's just like a casual game to play like when I'm watching old YouTube videos yeah. or I've been watching a little bit of the NBA conference finals and stuff like that, which I know we talked about. So I'll like while that's going, I'll be playing Pokemon Gold. So that's been my Pokemon nostalgia. How are the Apricots, man? Oh, they're fucking good. I love I miss that so hard. Those apricots yeah. building those different well, Pokeballs. Yeah, all the different Pokeballs. Cool. It's awesome. Um so I I, uh, I just got the second badge, so I beat the uh, bug guy. No, that's not right. I, I I have beat everyone else in his gym, but I have not yet beaten him because I want to get all my guys to level 17 first. But I, I, I chose Cyndaquil as my starter because, of course, he's the most adorable. 
But um, it's it's funny because like the game, I I love Pokemon Gold and Silver because it's like two games in one. Yeah. You get the new Johto region with all the new Pokemon, plus you get Kanto with all the old Pokemon, which is awesome. But uh, I don't think the game is very good at making you use the new guys because at least in the heart gold version i don't remember if this was true of the original you can catch like a geo dude right in the beginning you can catch a sand right, right in the yeah, beginning spiro pidgey rattata like all the old classics you can get so like i'm for like i'm using hoot hoot instead of using spiro or pidgey but i would rather be using pidgey because he's better so yeah. it's like i'm only using the new guys because i'm forcing myself to but i think Oh, no, I do have um, Mareep. now Flaffy. Yeah, so I had Mareep, now Flaffy. So he's – and he's awesome because Ampharos is an awesome okay. electric Who did Pokemon. you start with? Cyndaquil. Okay. You got to get Wooper, man. I caught a Wooper, but Wooper sucks. But Quagmire. Eh, he's not that good. But he looks like a dope. <laughs> yeah, he does look awesome. I'll give him <laughs> that much. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think my roster right now I'm using – uh, whatever the evolution of Cyndaquil is, I don't remember. Flaffy, um, Sandshrew, Geodude, Hoot Hoot, and another old Pokemon, I think. Onyx? No. Shit, who is it? Maybe Rattata? I don't remember. Okay. But it's another old Pokemon. Cause like, so like most of my crew is still the old guys. You catch any unknowns? Um, no, not yet. I'm not to this. I'm not to the spot where you can explore that yet. Yeah, you are. If, if no, you like, can get I a Mareep, you can get over into the unknown area and catch unknowns. I, yeah, I can. I can go to the area, but no, I can't go into any place where there are wild Pokemon. I remember being able to catch unknowns really early. Maybe I missed a door, but I think you need strength in order to go to that spot. Oh, okay. Or maybe you need cut or something, which I don't have yet. I just have Rock Smash. Um, but yeah, that, that's just, I mean, it's fucking Pokemon, yeah. but it's funny like playing that because I had nostalgia for Pokemon and, and granted playing through Bioshock too is also making me nostalgic for all of my other favorite games. Cause like, I really want to go play Skyrim. Like I really, really want to play Skyrim right now. And I really want to start a new world in Minecraft. And like, I, I just, it's making me nostalgic for those kind of like just games I love that I can play with ease and so that's all I want to do. I don't want to play any of this new garbage. I just want to play all my old favorites. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, Gold and Silver was really cool because it had the real passage of time effects. Like, it had an actual right. clock. And that was yes. before... Because it came out two years before Animal Crossing did. It came out in 99. Animal Crossing was mm -hmm. 2001. So it was the first game I ever played that had any sort of, like, a real-time clock effect. Um, right. I, don't, I can't think of any other game... I would have played that had that. Yeah. So like that was it is like just a cool, a cool feature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it encourages you to like play in the morning and in the evening because right. you can catch different kinds of Pokemon and like there will be like I was playing yesterday for a bit and it was raining in that area and so it makes you know the uh, water and electric moves more powerful. Like those little things help make the game feel fresh every time you, you log in. Yeah. Although I will um, say the strategy guide we had for gold and silver was bullshit compared to the one for red and blue. The one for red agreed. and blue is the best Pokemon strategy guide that's ever been created. I mean, one of the all time great strategy guides, period. Yeah. That strategy guide is phenomenal. It's so, it's I totally perfect. agree with you. It is a perfect yes. strategy guide. Yes. Um, the gold and silver one sucks. Yes. 
the uh, the sixth Pokemon is Butterfree. I just loaded it up so nice. I can double check. It's Butterfree, who I'm using because like confusion. Because I mean, he at this well at this level he's awesome. He has Gust, Confusion, Poison Powder, and Sleep Powder. Yeah. Like he's a fucking powerhouse Pokemon. Yeah, right Butterfree like through level thirty is a powerhouse. Yeah, in any he's game awesome. he's in. Very good. Yep. All right. So what other what other games for you? Um, I played a little bit of Counter Strike Go. I redownloaded that. Um, and I've probably played like a total of three hours since I reinstalled it. And I think I'm going to go ahead and uninstall it because I got <laughs> mad and I n- need to not do that anymore. So I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to uninstall it. I did get mm-hmm. two items that I sold for a penny each. So, you know, making money. Hell yeah. Uh, actually, one of them hasn't even sold. Only one of them sold. So I've made a penny. <laughs> uh, and um, so I bought the game Raft, which was initially uh, like pre-released on itch.io in like an early form. Okay. And it was really simple. It was like you could you had the raft and you could expand on it, like make it wider, and you like make a basically you're on a raft and, and trash is floating um hmm. toward like along this lane that you're in and you have a hook and you have to hook the trash and reel it in. And that's mm-hmm. the gameplay loop, is then you're building stuff out of this trash you're getting. It's like wood, metal, plastic, and palm fronds. And then it's a shark that comes and attacks your raft every little while. Um, so you have to, like, poke it with a sharp stick to make it go away. Otherwise, you have to, like, it'll tear apart your raft. You'll have to rebuild. Um, so they've implemented a lot of new stuff between that version and this version that's now on Steam that you pay for. Um, okay. So it's, like, it has all of these different walls and, like, ceilings you can build. You can make, like, multi-story structures. There are, wow. like... You can fish now. Like there's a there's a fishing rod with a bunch of different kinds of fish you can catch, and some fish are too big that I've caught um, mm-hmm. to cook on a grill. So I, I think I need to mm-hmm. find some sort of a new advancement. There's like a research table, and you're finding blueprints um, on your raft. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, like because you're there are barrels that float by, and so sometimes you'll find a blueprint for something in the barrel, like an antenna mm-hmm. or something else. There are now islands that in other rafts that will float uh, by, okay. and there's an anchor, so you can like throw out an anchor and stop at an island and get like watermelons mm-hmm. or supplies or whatever's there. You can chop down trees for lumber, um, and there's like cr- does the raft go just forever? Like there's no end. Correct. Yeah, I think it's a it generates. Um, yeah. There are still sharks. You still got to poke them with sticks. They still tear up your shit, and it sucks. But there are these new... I don't remember them being in the HIO version, although I did play an early HIO version. Um, instead of floors, you can build these nets that just auto-catch trash that floats into it, and then you just collect okay. it from the nets. Um, they're like storage containers. There are these little crop plots where you can grow trees and plants and like beets or potatoes and bake them and so you can eat them. Um you can purify your water sources and stuff. It's yeah, there's a lot going on and it has like kind of a relentless loop too. like everything's precipitously draining and you're always doing something. There's always something to do, something to catch some trash to reel in something to build or repair. Um, yeah, it's good. It, it's, it's one of those games where it's like, I don't know if I can stop playing this because there's still <laughs> something I need to do. Um, mm-hmm. It's like one of those games where there's an, a great stopping point. Um, so I'll probably play a little bit more of that over the next couple of weeks or something, probably at some point. 
Yeah, because you you're you finished Subnautica, right? Because I know you were playing that for a while. I never finished it. I'm on the last mm. leg. Like I have to build the rocket and get off the planet. Okay. But uh, I never did finish Subnautica. I built a really cool it's, it, base. It feels like you you kind of because you like those survival games. You kind of jump from game to oh, game. Oh, totally. So this is this is your new one. Yeah. So subsistence is the one that I always jump back right. to in yes. between survival games. So once I'm done with Raft, right. I'm sure I'll jump back into <laughs> subsistence and continue building my glass house. Throw no stones. Cool. <laughs> um, any other video game stuff? No, that's all I've been playing. I'm um, just so. Five things, and we'll talk about Pokemon Quest in a little bit. Yeah. So big movie releases, obviously, were Deadpool 2, which I saw, and Sola, which we have both seen. Yes. So let's save that for the end, since those are bigger topics. Okay. So any other things that you have been watching? So in terms of TV, I started mm-hmm. watching Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. Hell yeah. So Great show. So good. I actually haven't watched it in a couple weeks. I need to go back. And there are so many episodes. I mean, they're not long yes. episodes. They're like yeah, 15, yeah. 20 minutes. Um, they're so good. Like, I, I watched great. the one great with... Show. Um, uh, oh, crap. Don Rickles. Okay. Uh, I watched that one last night. That's the last yeah. one I watched. Yeah. Funny old guy. I, lo- I love yep. old men that have still got it. <laughs> like, there's, the, <laughs> right. there's the one with uh, Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um. And and whatever the other that Andy, other dude, Andy something? No, no, I don't think so. I don't remember. But some other old comedian, yeah. yes, where he, Jerry just like goes to their house, yeah, and, and like, they're, like watching TV old dinner TV. with them or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so cool. It's a great show. Yeah, it is. It's like a, it's a feel good kind of show. There are some more serious things. Like I know you and I talked about the Michael Richards episode, yes. where like he kind of talks about that stand up where he went and said the n word, and it kind of like completely ruined the rest of his stand-up career and like how he still hasn't recovered from that yes yes and so there's a lot of that like not a lot but some of that more serious stuff which to me is still very interesting yeah um the jim carrey episode likewise is very funny but also Also he gets like really really serious about his life and the way that he is with comedy so it's a very insightful kind of show if you're into comedians um so yeah it's it's a great show yeah so I have been watching Seinfeld, obviously, still, uh, and some more New Girl. I will say I actually haven't watched New Girl. We haven't watched it in several days because I kind of came to a realization that I don't like it. Yes! <laughs> after, after last episode talking about it where I was defending it, I still love the characters. I think a lot of the characters are fantastic, but just I don't think the writing is all that good. The storylines, I think a lot of them are kind of dumb. And so it bums me out because I remember watching those first like two or three seasons back when I initially discovered the show and I really liked that. And then I fell off because it got not as funny. They changed the way the writing worked uh, and they brought back a character that I didn't like. And so I was like, eh, I'm not super into the show anymore, but I still love the first couple seasons. Well, we're rewatching those first couple seasons and I'm not really enjoying it that much. So <laughs> I don't know. It bums me out because I do really like those characters. Um we watched some other movies in addition to Solo and Deadpool. So we watched Game Night, which is a comedy starring Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. Hmm. It's one of those, like, it's a dumb uh, kind of couples comedy that's really over the top. It was actually very fun. I, dip- I typically don't 
enjoy those movies. This was we got it on Redbox. We wanted to watch a movie one night, uh, and it was really funny. Like it, it, it's very stupid, and it not all the jokes work, but for this that genre of like forgettable couples comedies, yeah. it's pretty fucking funny. Um, Jesse Plemons is is in it, and he's brilliant. He, you do you watch Black Mirror? I've only seen the pig episode. Okay, that's right. Um, but he, Jesse Plemons is like one of my favorite up and coming actors. He's brilliant. He's very transformative and he can kind of go across genres, different kinds of characters. He's, he's brilliant. He's in this and he plays the neighbor who's like a cop and he's a really creepy dude. And he's just fucking fantastic as that character. He was uh, very funny. Um, yeah, it was, it's good. I, I highly recommend it to anybody looking for that kind of forgettable comedy movie. I also watched Hostiles, which is the newest Christian Bale movie. Uh, it is takes place during like post Civil War, uh, where they're kind of expanding to the West and dealing with a lot of the Native American Indians. Um, it's a complete fucking downer. This movie, <laughs> like most of the characters die. It's a bummer. The movie is a bummer. Uh, but it's phenomenally acted. Christian Bale, Rosamund Pike, uh, Jesse Plemons is actually in it okay. in a small part. Ben Foster, who is a really underrated actor that I love, is in it. Uh, yeah, it was just really good. I will say it's not all that fresh. Like it's it deals with a lot of similar themes of those kinds of movies about you know race and uh, kind of what we did to Native Americans and how there were just as, there's just as much evil in the American side as there was on the Native American side yeah, when it came to that war. This stuff is just so old hat. Exactly. <laughs> and it just it doesn't really have anything new to say about it. The right. only thing that carried it through is just really, really good acting. Um, okay. So I, I quote-unquote enjoyed it. It's kind of a weird movie to say you enjoy, but uh, I was into it. Um, and then finally, the other night, we watched Icarus, which is a documentary about the Russian doping scandal in the last Olympics. And this, I had heard really great things about it. I've been wanting to watch it for like over a year. So we finally sat down and watched it. Holy shit, this thing was bonkers. It's one of those documentaries where like the reality is even crazier than what you think the reality would be, huh. which is like a really fun ride. Um, and it's just like, it's one of those things where it, like, it's just kismet the way this all came together because it originally started as a documentarian. Who's also an amateur bicyclist after the uh, shit. What's the bicyclist's name? Lance Armstrong. After that scandal with him doping and how like he passed like 500 drug tests and yet he was on drugs the whole time. This documentarian, he was going to do this amateur bicycle race. And he wanted to try to beat that drug test. To show how easy it is to beat a drug test. And that was the origin of this documentary. As part of this, he partnered with a Russian scientist to help him beat the drug test. And that Russian scientist was in charge of the Russian lab where they do a lot of Olympic testing. And the whole thing was like the, this documentarian. He's like, why is he willing to help me? Like it's his job to catch people that are on drugs. Why is he helping me break the test? Like it's cool that he is, but why? And through the course of the documentary that he's building, 
the scandal about the Russian doping scandal comes out where this Russian scientist who was helping him was at the center of this scandal because he was covering up all of the Russian Olympians that were breaking the law. And it's like, how did this all like, what a coincidence that this happened this way. And so then the documentary becomes more about this dude and the Russian doping scandal than the Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong stuff. But it's just like, like I said, it's one of those where like the reality of the situation is even crazier than what you would think the reality is. Right. And that makes for a really fascinating documentary. Yeah. So for people interested in that Olympic scandal or just documentaries in general, could not recommend this one highly enough. It's fucking bonkers. Uh, so yeah. Um, I guess we can move on to talking about some solo. Do you want to tell me thoughts on solo? Um, my one show note on solo is that yep. it is the best Disney star Wars movie thus far. I am going to vehemently disagree with you on that one. I mean, I haven't loved any of the new ones to me. Force awakens is the best because it's like good. I have disliked every other new star Wars movie. So, so it's not like force awakens is amazing, but I skimmed some of your review. Yeah. And I think you and I <laughs> definitely don't see eye to eye on this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean my, my review is up on shayitseverything.com. So what like what what did you disagree with about solo? Well, all right. So you, like you all right, I'm just I'm going to go off your show notes. Uh-huh. Um all right, why don't you set it up? Okay. And then I'll refute the points. So to me, just in general, I, I find it really easy to equate Solo to Rogue One because they're sort of similar in the story that they're telling, similar time frame in Star Wars canon, and that they're standalone, kind of whatever. Um, to me, Solo is a very middle-of-the-road action-adventure movie, a very forgettable... Like, it's not a bad movie. It's just a very, like, a who-cares kind of action-adventure movie that you get in the summer. It just happens to be Star Wars. And that's the only reason why it's worth people... Like, why people are talking about it, why people go see it. I just... There's nothing about it that stands out as being good in my mind. I think that... In relation to Rogue One, one of my biggest complaints about Rogue One were the central characters. I found to be very uninteresting and boring. Solo, I disliked a lot of the characters. And, like, the dude that plays Han, I think he's probably the worst of all the characters. He has very little charisma and personality. But in general, I found the characters to be more compelling than the characters in Rogue One. Lando, to me, Donald Glover's Lando is easily the standout. He not only does a great Billy D. Williams impersonation, but he actually brings personality. Like the dude that plays Han, Alden Alden Ehrenreich, I think is how you say his name. He's just so flat. I mean, uh, Kira, who is the female love interest played by Amelia Clark, who I think is a great actress. Her character, she has no developed backstory. She has really not that much of a character arc. She just is very underutilized. It's not her fault. Her character is just poorly written. There's the robot sidekick character who I thought was incredibly fucking annoying. Like Jar Jar Binks level annoying. And then a lot of the other kind of smaller side characters. Woody Harrelson's character is very uninteresting. He doesn't really do that much. Um, 
and that's kind of all there is to the characters. So I found them to be better than Rogue One, but still not, certainly not to the levels of Rey, Finn, and Poe, who I think are awesome Star Wars characters. So defute that point. Okay, so I think your whole argument about Aaron Reich not being a good Han Solo is wrong. <laughs> I think he Why? I think he is a perfect young Han Solo. I think he nailed it. You say he's flat? Han Solo is completely flat. He's about no. as flat as it gets, dude. No, disagree. Han Solo is deadpan as shit. Deadpan is not the same as flat. I mean he is flat as in he's not making character choices. His line delivery is very like like he's not he's not making choices. There's no there's nothing going on in his mind as he says his lines. It's bad acting is what it is. It's not it didn't feel like a character choice cuz the great thing and Kelly and I talked about this a lot. Star Wars is cheesy as shit. The original trilogy has some cheesy ass dialogue. Yeah. So I have no problems with there being dialogue in Solo that is cheesy right. as hell. There's a whole scene where Han meets Chewie for the first time and Chewie tells him his name and he's like, he's Chewbacca. Like, Chewbacca? Oh. We're going to have to come up with a nickname for you because I'm not saying that every time. Right. Like, that's a lame ass line, but it feels appropriate because it's Star Wars and there's really cheesy dialogue in Star Wars. The problem is. In Star Wars, you have Harrison Ford, who is one of the all-time most charismatic actors, delivering that dialogue. Alden Ehrenreich has no charisma to him whatsoever. And so it's just cheesy dialogue delivered in a boring way. I guess I just disagree. I think he's charismatic. How? That I do not understand. He's, He's charismatic in, like, a boyish kind of way. Because, like, hot, like... Harrison Ford is charismatic in, like, a more matured, I don't know, like, in, in a more mature way. Aaron Reich is charismatic in, like, a young, kind of youthful, naivete way. See, and I didn't even get that much of that. And I, I, eh. I, I that, I think, is less his fault and more the writing and the, 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 the arc of that character's fault because it's not super well-developed. I just didn't see much change in him from the beginning to the end. Like, you're right. He does has, have this little bit of naivety about wanting to be a roguish dude, but it never goes all the way with that thought to me. And so, like, at the end where he's like, you know, I'm a bad guy. Like, I'm a bad dude. Like, it's just, it feels unjustified because outside of him saying that, his actions don't really back that up to me. He's just, he's just kind of a boring character. But, like, that's, his arc can't come full circle because his arc isn't finished yet. And that's a whole other issue that I had with the movie, where in this movie, everything we know about Han Solo from the original trilogy apparently happened to him within the course of two weeks. Like, he meets Chewie, he meets Lando, gets the Millennium Falcon, gets his famous blaster, gets his name Han Solo. Like, all happens within this movie. Well, granted, the Solo name is, like, three years earlier or whatever the timeline is. But, like, it's just... They worked so hard to tie up every tiny little detail we know about Han Solo, which is emblematic of the larger problem that this movie just doesn't have a reason to exist. I disagree. It doesn't do anything. I disagree. Like, what, what do you now know that you didn't already know that, me, that is meaningful to Star Wars? That Han had, like, 
now I we have a name and a face to like Han's big romanticized love in his past. But that was never that it was never brought up in any of the but, movies. But you know, just by the way that Han Solo acts in the original trilogy, like the way he is with like romance and like Leia and stuff, the way he approaches that, it is so obvious that either it's so obvious that he's been hurt like that before he's been betrayed because he's so guarded and like off put by everything it's it's very obvious that he has been betrayed before and that's why mm-hmm. he is that way and that's why he's so attached to Chewie because Chewie's the one person he trusts and in this movie coming out of it Chewie's the one person he can trust yeah, all right, I'll buy that. Yeah. I don't I don't totally agree that this informs how he treats Leia like directly, but I like I can see that justification. Oh, for for me that parallels very direct. Like how like how how that entire like relationship between him and Leia is set up like based upon this new information of how he's been duped. Like, for right. for years, like, he went into the Imperial Navy and, like, went through, like, the shit. And granted, I don't think the movie did a good job of, like, showing him actually in the shit and, like, being affected right. by it. Like, he still, like, the whole time he was just like, like, I'm a roguish guy. Like, I, I would have liked to see a little more of, like, him going through hell a little bit yeah. more. Um but like like he went through all of that for the sake of this girl and in his young naive mind he's like i need to save her not really ever considering the fact that she could save herself and then mm-hmm. when they meet up they're like there's that little bit left in her and like he can see that but that's all he can see he can't see the past or anything she's done even though she's warning him about it he can't see it because he's young he's naive and this is what he wants that's all he can see and then he gets betrayed twice like boom boom back to back um by this guy that he learns to really respect and look Mm -hmm. up to and then by the girl that he loved and like had his you know like he's been striving for all these years to like yeah like every 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 action that he took was to help her right and then that that betrayal happens yeah yeah i'll i'll buy that I don't think that that's justification enough for this movie to exist. That one little tidbit. But then, like, oh, the but larger... then also, like, you, you you have to see how Han meets Chewie. You have to. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. Why? Why? Why do you have to see that? Because everyone else gets an origin story, Shay, in Star Wars. Everyone else has an origin go- story. And that's good? That's that's my argument. Is, it is bad? we don't need we yes we Why? don't need more origin stories. I, like these little de- the fact that some rando imperial officer gave Han Solo his name. Not only is that dumb as shit, but also why do I need that information? That doesn't affect me about the character at all. And that there, I mean, I could go on and on about the things in this movie that annoyed me and frustrated me in similar ways as The Last Jedi, where it felt like it took a lot of this cool mystery that had been set up about this character and gave the most mundane explanation for those things at all. Like, the dude's name is Han Solo. Oh, some random Imperial officers told him his name is Solo. Oh, he has this awesome gun that he's always had, this, you know, super stylistic gun. How did he get it? Oh, Beckett just kind of hands it to him one day. Like, who gives a shit? 
It's the most boring explanations for what could be cool. This is like the opposite of what I said with Icarus, where the details are cooler than what happens in your brain. This is the opposite, where what I imagine the, the, the past of Han Solo is, is far more interesting than now the reality of it. Yeah, okay, but the blaster was given to Han by Beckett, who Han... Like, he was, like, a father figure that Han never had, and then Han kills him with that blaster. So See, but that's a whole... And then he carries the, it with him for years and years and years. And and I, 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 I understand what you're saying, but you are extrapolating things that the film does not give you. Like, you are making them a bigger thing than the film does. Han That's knew fair. Beckett for Han knew Beckett for a couple of weeks. Like that I you are totally right. That's what they were going for, but they did not execute on that emotional standard because they didn't like they didn't justify it well enough. Beckett That's and fair. Han were never close enough. They never did enough. They weren't together enough for that ending thing to really be as impactful as the movie tries to make you think it is. That's the larger issue. And at a core fundamental level, I just think it's an a below average action adventure movie. Like all the little details aside, if you tell me a fun story with interesting characters, that's fine. Like that's enough for me to feel like this is worthy of my time and it didn't even do that. That that's the larger problem is that it just isn't that good of an action adventure movie. It's super contrived. Nothing truly surprising happens in the twists. A lot of the big action set pieces, some of them are very fun. That opening scene where they're on the train, yeah. that was a really fun sequence. But a lot of the other things, like where they're going through the Kessel Run and the Maw and all that stuff, that big reveal was spoiled by the trailers. Like the whole thing where they're in the Maw and they're trying to get the ship to go away. We're spoiling the whole movie here, by the way, but yeah, oh well. Yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> Like, when they're trying to go through... Like, that could have been a much cooler thing than it actually was. It just... I don't know. It it, it just felt like it, it... It wasn't trying that hard, for one. And it also didn't execute on the ideas that it had. Which weren't even that fresh of ideas. And so, the, I, again, I come back to... Just, there's nothing about this movie that makes me feel like it deserves to exist. And that's, like, the biggest insult that I could possibly rail against it. Yeah, I guess. You don't deserve to exist. <laughs> I don't know. And you're allowed to disagree, obviously. Like, if you had a good time with it, by all means, I'm glad you had a good time yeah, with it. Yeah, I just it. wish That's you just did, That's just where too. I'm coming from. Well, okay. I mean, fair enough. But, yeah. It, I certainly didn't go into it wanting to dislike it. Yeah, and I mean, it had, Star like, what, like, seven months of reshoots and stuff? And, like, it changed Well, and it changed and directors. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I Which mean, I think that muddies I think a lot that, of things. That, I think that contributed to it. Because, I mean, Ron Howard, obviously, multi-academy award-winning director. He's really well-known. But he isn't an auteur you know like he isn't a guy who puts his stamp on movies it's like i mean in this situation where there were directorial problems the movie wasn't coming together ron howard is the guy you bring in because he's one of the more vanilla directors and i feel like this movie suffered from being vanilla like it doesn't have that much style and personality to it despite the fact that it's starring fucking han solo and lando calrissian and it's star wars you don't think it had a lot of style no I thought it did. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it could have had more, but because it didn't, it felt more grounded. I mean, it it, it felt similar in style to something like Rogue One, which I think is sort of appropriate considering the time period that it's in. But the characters that are driving this should have added that additional panache, and I didn't think that they did. Outside of Lando. Who, like, 
he was Donald Glover was like absolutely the best thing about this movie. And it's not just because he did a good Lando. It's like he was he felt like he was the only one that wanted to be there. Like Amelia Clark did what she could, but that is just a really shitty character that she played. Yeah. But like Alden Aaron, like he seemed bored most of the time. Woody Harrelson looked like he could have given two shits about being in this movie. Like Donald Glover seemed like he was the only one that was having some fucking fun in a Star Wars movie. And that's really upsetting. So I don't know, man. I mean, nothing I'm saying is going to stop people from seeing it. It's right. a Star Wars movie, but that's that's where I'm coming from. The the that the best thing I can say about my experience was after the Last Jedi, and I wrote about that in my Last Jedi review. My expectations for Star Wars movies now are so low that at least this didn't disappoint me. Like, would I have loved to have loved it? Absolutely, but I didn't come out like, oh. They screwed me over again because I had so, such low expectations for this. And it, it was better than The Last Jedi. I'll say that much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from on Solo. Hmm. Anything else, like, about that that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, since we've already spoiled, like, the whole movie, what about yeah. that end, man? Fucking yeah. So, I wrote about this in my I review. Think it's gonna direct, I think that directly ties into Obi-Wan. How? Because I I think in the Rebels show or whatever, because Darth Maul, I think I think in the Rebels show Obi Wan kills Darth Maul or something. I haven't caught up on the Rebels show, but I think Darth Maul dies in the Rebels oh, show. Oh, okay. I have not seen that. So I mean, since we're spoiling it anyway, the end reveals that the bad guys are working for an additional bad guy who is Darth Maul. My problem, because Darth Maul obviously died in episode one, he was resurrected in the Star Wars Clone Wars show, the animated show. And I know he's also in Rebels. I have not seen Rebels, so it's possible that he dies. That would be, I could see that happening where Obi-Wan kills him again. Um, My issue is that other than hardcore Star Wars fans... Who the fuck watched Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels? Yeah, to, to find out about his, like, metal prosthetic legs and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So the issue I have, which I imagine is common amongst a lot of people, coming out of the movie, Kelly was very confused uh, about when this movie took place. Sure. Okay. She was like, she was like, it's young Han Solo, so that should be before episode four, but Darth Maul died in episode one. Why is Darth... Like, he should be dead. And that, like... Because there's no explanation about Darth Maul, he just appears. It... That... I imagine a lot of people were fucking confused as hell about why Darth Maul was there. Yeah, maybe. And that just feels like a really bad way of bringing that character back. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was fucking dope. Yes. Cool reveal. Sure. But poorly done. Sweet looking lightsaber with a claw on it. The other concern I have, because they introduced Darth Maul, because Kira, like, is working with him, the way it ends, feel, and, like, Han's, like, on his way to talk to Jabba about a new deal, whatever else, it feels like they're leaving it open to do a sequel to this movie, which bums me out because, God, I don't want a fucking sequel to this movie because I didn't like it. (laughs) See, I think this is a direct lead into the Obi-Wan movie. I think they So Kira could be in the Obi-Wan movie, you think? Because it's um, it's the, the Crimson Sun. Uh, Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, Cartel, mm-hmm. who, like, they're they're mentioned a lot in the EU books and stuff. Right. Um, 
there's like one of the biggest, most ruthless cartels. Um, obviously, because it's being headed by Darth Maul. Um, but uh, I, I, I think the only reason to make an Obi-Wan movie is to complete an arc for him. And to complete okay. an arc for him, he needs to kill Darth Maul or choose to spare him. He needs that, that cool. kind of resolution, and it needs to fucking be Ewan McGregor. Interesting. Because this whole time, would, I'm thinking... Like, now, as an actor, wow. if we do that time period, he's the right age to play Obi-Wan. Ish. About. They can fudge it to make he's it work. He's still a little young, but yes, that sounds much cooler to me than what I... Because I was picturing an Obi-Wan being young Obi-Wan if it was like in between episodes one and two or even like shortly after episode three like that kind of time period where Ewan McGregor is now too old to play that character I think but if this it was is take, Ewan if it McGregor took place, tangling like, with the Crimson Dawn yeah, and yeah, Darth Maul I could see and completing that. his arc yeah I mean because at that point really this is like a decade before episode four so he's I mean he, Ewan McGregor's really too young to play that age character, but yeah. I could get down with that. I could be okay with them fudging the timeline a little bit for that because when when I saw that they were still working on a, on an Obi Wan movie, I am very uninterested in that because again, it's like needless backstory for a character. But if they make it more about what you're, that story you're talking about, where it's Crimson Dawn, potentially Kira could be in that movie as well. That sounds like a cool way of tying in these individual stories a little bit. Right. That sounds pretty neat. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah and, well, and who knows? Maybe they're planning to do a Marvel thing where there is an Obi-Wan origin story and then, like, the Obi-Wan and Solo stories kind of come together in a third film because, like, yeah. Han is still chasing Kira. He needs the resolution with Kira, and Obi-Wan needs the resolution with Darth Maul, and so they come together somehow but, but i mean but han but and han obi-wan, and obi-wan had never, never met meet. so yeah. they would they would that would be tricky that was something that was hard in the star wars clone wars show because that takes place in between episodes two and three in episode three in the beginning anakin meets general grievous for the first time and he mentions specifically that they're meeting for the first time so this whole animated show they can't ever have anakin and grievous meet and i remember the writers always saying like that was a really tedious difficult thing to have to deal with where like one of your main villains cannot meet one of your main heroes. So that would be uh, difficult to try to get around, I imagine. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving off of Solo, just to hit on Deadpool 2 real quick. My full review is on, on Everything.com as well. Uh, it's one of those where, like, if you like the first one, you're going to like this one. It's very similar and, you know, very crass kind of humor. Really over-the-top gory action. Um I think that Cable and Domino, who are the two new heroes that they kind of add, are both kind of blah characters. Domino more so because she doesn't get any character development. She's just kind of like a sidekick. Um, Cable more because he's kind of the foil for Deadpool. He's more serious to kind of bounce off Deadpool's jokes. The problem with that is Colossus already fills that role really well. And Colossus is a big part in this as well. Like the very kind of straight-laced superhero style friend. And so kind of Cable and Colossus fill similar roles for Deadpool. So they feel a little bit um, 
monotonous. But, I mean, it's a super funny movie. I really enjoyed my time with it. It tries to do a little bit more emotional storytelling with Deadpool's character and kind of his arc, which I don't really feel like it nails because it goes so far in the crass, over-the-top comedy that, like, it's hard to actually buy into caring about Wade. Um, So it doesn't totally nail that side of it, but just as a funny action movie, it's one of those. Um, How do you think it holds up next to the first one? I enjoyed the first one more simply because it was the first time around. Sure. Um, But, I mean, the second one, it's worth your time. If you like the first one, I definitely say that you will like the second one. Okay. Uh, So, yeah. Um, And I guess just before we move on to some news. So, like I said, I got solo review, Deadpool 2 review. I also have updated rankings of the X-Men films, of the Star Wars films. I have my Infinity War review, my updated Marvel movie ranking. So, all that fucking content. Good shit is on shadeseverything.com. So check that out. So I guess moving on to news, unless is there anything else for you? Um, I just want to say that I read one of the Han Solo books. It was the, uh, the last oh, okay. shot, the one that came out before the movie. There's also the one that came out in tandem with the movie, it came out the same day. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not the book of the movie, it's just another one. Right. Um, so I read The Last Shot, which. Was, it jumped around a lot in terms of the time period. It was like there's 15 years before, 10 years before, 5 years before, and the current. So it's like almost four time periods. Um, and it jumps around perspectives a lot, too. I don't think it's written particularly well. <laughs> um, there, uh, it's So it's by an author who has only written um, like young adult books. And okay. I think this is one of his first forays into more a, a, a wider audience range. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's a very strong writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bit of a struggle to get through it near the end, but the story was at least interesting and mm-hmm. fleshed out. Uh, the a, a positive of it is it fleshed out and brought some dimension to the relationship between L3 and Lando. Um, so the annoying droid okay. from the movie and yes. Lando. Um so that I appreciate L3's character a little more because sure. of that, but it doesn't change the fact that she was obnoxious in the movie. Oh my god, she was so fucking annoying. Yeah. I legitimately like her less than Jar Jar. Also I would rather Jar Jar be in this well, fucking movie. Well the person movie. who voiced it the uh, Captain Phasma chick slash No, Game of I chick? thought I thought the same okay. thing. She sounds very similar to uh, the chick who plays Brienne yeah. and Captain Phasma, but it's not. Okay. It's a different. It's a different. I actress. was gonna say because when you screw her out of doing anything cool as Captain Phasma, you gotta <laughs> give her something, right? So let's make her elf. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I had the same thought. That's funny. Um, so there's at least that, uh, and it kind of that arc is actually pretty well written, but I think everything surrounding that is pretty blase. Like it's a lot mm-hmm. of Han dealing with what it means to be a father, but like not actually really coming to a good conclusion because it takes place when Han and Leia are together and Ben is a, a baby. Oh. Like Ben is a toddler. Um, okay. And like, again, that's like the present. And then it's like 10 years yes. ago, 15 years ago, yada, yada. Got um, it. So it's jumping around a lot. It's hard to keep track. Um, like it's uh, it starts at the chapter and it tells you when it's taking place, but like because it shifts perspective, because it's shifting spots in the timeline, it's hard to keep track of what's happening when. Um, there's mm-hmm. a cool villain, but 
but the villain goes out in kind of like not a cool way and and like <laughs> he i think this could have been a great movie um ah. but not like a great wrap up for for that character um there is there are a couple of really cool sidekick characters there's an ewok um okay. that is like a hacker <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> yeah. um and she she can understand basic but can't speak it um mm-hmm. and so that leads to like a lot of funny moments um but that's like a fun idea for a character and she's like goo goo gaga eyed over chewy she loves chewy because all the ewoks right. love chewy um so like there's some fun interactions there and then there's another character who i have to be careful uh it's a non-binary character so they are not referred okay. to as he or she. They are referred to as they and uh, there. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with that whatsoever until you're reading a book and it says they did this or they did that. And you're like, how many people right. are we talking you about You don't know here? who. Right. Right. So like most of the time they refer to them by their name, which is good. Mm-hmm. But they say like they and there. And I get it, like that's a non-binary pronoun you can use, mm-hmm. but it's also a no- it's a pronoun that is a plural, and that is very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, I have no issue with there being a non-binary character. I just I think we need like a new pronoun. Well, or there for has to a be couple a better of years. Way. They, th- different communities have been pushing for Z and Zer as being two ways, but those are not like widely known or accepted. And I I mostly know of this because I follow uh, AP a lot who like the Associated Press who kind of owns the AP style guide and I follow them on their website and they do kind of updates and that kind of thing because I'm a grammar nerd and I write a lot. But uh, that's one of their things is because a lot of people will write in and comment and say like, Hey, we just like, for people that don't identify as he or her, we need to go ahead and define, let's just use Z. And they're like, okay, but no one, like outside of people who know about it, no one knows what the fuck Z is. And it's, it's tedious to explain that in a news article or whatever else. So we just use they right now. And that's just kind of where we are. So yeah. I'm definitely with you. It, it, it's difficult to read and there needs to be a better solution, but there just isn't a standardized one. Right. And I have a hard time thinking of when and how there will be a standardized one because there are so many different factions amongst that community that prefer different nomenclature that like, when are they ever going to agree on one to use? So I don't know. It seems crazy. Yeah. But inherently, cool that there is a character like yeah, that in that I book. I thought it was that, cool that too. Neat. And like, it wasn't yeah. addressed like at all. It, they did, yeah, it like it wasn't. It, made, it was just. Which, it just. It, it was. It. it, it they didn't make a big deal about it. Harder at first. Like I had to look up online. I was like, "Is this what I think it is?" Uh, okay, yes, it is. All right, just making sure. So like I had to like look it up because I was very confused as to the writing around that because it's not mm-hmm. something I'd encountered in fiction before. So, mm-hmm. um, was it a human character? Yes. Okay, I think because I was gonna say because like plenty of other races don't have female male versions right. or whatever, so it's not like that would be new, right? But yeah, um, and I guess another another problem that I have with it is that when so when I'm reading because it, it's different, like if you're watching a visual media. And you can look at someone and you know what they look like, you know what they sound like, and they say I'm non-binary or whatever, like I don't identify as he or her or whatever. 
that's different than when you're in a, a fictional written setting where it's not addressed and so there isn't and the author also doesn't go out of their way to like describe what the person looks like yeah so that's so now like, I don't, I, like i i go through yeah. this book and i don't know what they look like like i don't yeah. care what they identify as that's their business but i want to know what they look like because as I, right. i'm reading your imagination. i'm a very active yeah. reader like i have a yeah. picture of what's going on inside of my head and i i couldn't get a complete picture because of it um, okay. Like, I didn't know what this person looked like. Are there, like, renderings if you Google them online? Like I don't on know. Star Wars Wiki or something? I don't know. It's, I would imagine it's a really recent something. book, so maybe not. But okay. um, yeah. I don't know. That is difficult. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's easy. When, when you know that it's uh, a man or a woman, right. you, you have already a have template. a certain form. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have mm. a template for what that person looks like. Even if they don't tell you hair color, you just you make it up and your mind fills in the blanks. For this, That's I really don't have a metric. I don't have yeah. a template to fill in for that. So I'm like, do like biologically are they male or biologically are they female, regardless of how they mm-hmm. identify? Like, I want a template. My brain wants a template. Um, to fill in because there's no other visual media or visual information given to me. So, cause you can, I mean, like you can imagine them as looking more androgynous, right. but that's not even the case all the time anyway. Right. So it's like, it's, it, yeah, that's hard. That's without an actual description of the person. It's hard to imagine what they might look like if you don't know if they're a man or a woman. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So hmm. that was, that was something. Right. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, you know, it it is what it is. Like I if the book was really good and that was the only bad thing I had to say about it, sure. Cool. But the book wasn't that <laughs> great. <laughs> right. Um so it's just one of a myriad of issues I had. Um right. I read East of West, I think volume 7, comic book. Um mm-hmm. f- like for uh, the last 3 or 4 trades Everything has been going at like eleven out of ten, and it's just still going. I'm like, dude, just wrap it up, man. Let's just make this thing happen. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I read Descender Volume Four. I have Volume Five. I haven't read it yet. Um, I'm getting frustrated with some of the characters, but like, there's some character growth happening that I am invested in, and some okay. characters that I really like. Um, and like, so like they've just started like basically a new story arc for one of the characters that I really like. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes too. So I think Descender, I think, I don't know when volume six comes out, but I think they're only up to volume five currently. I don't know what issue they're on, but uh, still going strong. Have you read anything? I, I have two chapters left of order of the Phoenix. Uh, I know I said I was going to try to finish it and I didn't, but I'm close. I will finish it today. That's, that's on my list of things to accomplish today. So Next episode, I will have read something else. It'll probably be a comic because I have the newest trade of Saga and a couple other new comics that I can't even think of the names of sitting on my desk. And so I look at them all the time. So I'll probably dig into some of those after I finish HP. Okay. But yeah, I haven't finished it, unfortunately. Um, so news? Two, two hours. hours of the podcast? <laughs> two hours in. It's time for the news. <laughs> hey, it's uh, good stuff. We have good things yeah. to talk about. Better than not having any new things Correct. to talk about. So, this is quite an annoying story to me. So, uh, uh, like about a week or so ago, 
the CEO of Sony had some quote where he said that the PS4 was entering the last stage of its life cycle. And clickbait and overreacting ensued with people saying, oh my god, they're going to be releasing a PS5 next year. Oh, I don't want to have to buy a new fucking console. I just bought a PS4 Pro. Fuck you, Sony. Where if you actually look at the fucking interview, he said that it's entered the final life cycle, stage of its life cycle. We could expect a new console around 2021, maybe. So, like, it's three to four years off at this point. Maybe even longer. So we're we're barely two-thirds through the full life cycle of the console. But because people have to complain, especially all the Microsoft fanboys have to jump in and be like, Oh yeah, well Microsoft would never do that. <laughs> even people though they totally idiots. are. <laughs> it annoys the hell out of me. Um, so yeah. They also mentioned uh, kind of some statistics where PS4 sales have started to slow. Which is kind of contributing to that end of the life cycle uh, messaging. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's still very, very healthy console. It's going to outstrip PS3's sales of 83 million consoles. Um, where now, at this point, they're less focused on selling a bunch of consoles and more about new IP, new games, as well as strong sequels to existing IP that will help the transition to a new console. Right, because you don't Whether launch that's a, a new P- console with new IPs. You launch, launch a console with established franchises. Well, ideally, you want to mix. Yeah. But yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So so something like, you know, because like God of War, they just did that revamp. So we will probably see the next God of War game during this generation. We will see the next Horizon Zero Dawn game during this generation. And then they can move on to the next console with the third game in that series. Right. That sort of, that's the transition you want because you have people that are really invested in these new series and want to buy the new console to play the new game in that series so that's kind of their strategy where now they're focused more on games than on consoles which is good for gamers good for owners of playstation 4s um they also talked about playstation vr as well as playstation view which is their television streaming service they'd said neither is doing as well as they would hoped but are both fine so like ps4 vr has sold decently well just not taking the world on fire. And I think a lot of that comes down to um, not having a lot of strong games that come along yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. So um, it, that was just an interesting thing. Um, as as always, now we have show notes for the podcast. So I'll link to the Game Informer story where there's a little bit more detail if people are interested. And then oh. we got a lot of game announcements. Oh. So what do we want to talk about first? Are you clapping for... The thing that's next on the list? All right, so let's talk about yes. That. So Bethesda had a live stream that was just a please wait. Uh, it was please. Yeah, wait, it, it, the, it's right. the uh, like signal inter- interrupted image from Fallout from with, Fallout, like the Native American head and the yeah. Yes. So everybody was like, new Fallout game. They're going to announce something. And it was this really long live stream of just that where they had like a couple little random things that happened. It was a really fucking weird live stream, but. At the end of this, they have now announced Fallout 76. So we're moving from 4 to 76. Mm-hmm. I have not played Fallout's 5 through 75. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to follow the story, but we will see. Oh, man, that's the first time I heard anyone make that joke. Fuck off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
honestly, all we really know about this game is that it is called Fallout 76. There's a lot that we can glean from the trailer, which I will link in the show notes for anybody that hasn't seen it. I don't know who would not have seen this at this point. But in the trailer... We, it is a view of the inside of Vault 76, which for folks that are followers of Fallout lore know that Vault 76 was a special vault that was scheduled to be released 20 years after the bomb dropped. Right. So most vaults, they're just supposed to live there as long as they can and then eventually leave or not. They stay in the vault forever. But Vault 76 was a specific experiment to release 20 years after the bomb. And so... Theoretically, if this game is following Vault 76, it will be taking place significantly earlier in the Fallout timeline than any other Fallout game. So that's interesting in and of itself. So this will not be a Fallout game where like society has already rebuilt because you would, the players, would theoretically be some of the first people to leave a vault in the new world. There are and so like that we can really glean from the trailer, obviously, because it's Vault 76. They also there's a little poster on it that says like Happy Reclamation Day, which is the day that they released the vault. There's a bunch of streamers and balloons. The vault is empty other than one player character, so theoretically everyone has already left the vault. So it's pretty easy to assume that part of it. There are two separate rumors about what kind of game this is, neither of which have been confirmed nor denied. Right. Obviously, we will see be seeing this at E3. Hopefully, we will be seeing a significant part of this at E3, assuming it's coming out this year or early next year. Um, so rumor number one was my initial reaction, which follows more in line with what we see in the trailer, in that this is a game that is a little bit heavier on the... Um, kind of city management kind of side. Yeah. So like building elements of Fallout Shelter, the mobile game, as well as the settlement management from Fallout 4, where you're the manager of, or the um, the overseer, I guess, of Vault 76. So you're managing the people that live there, you're building out things, you know, resource management, etc. That was kind of the first rumor about this that I prescribed to after watching the trailer. Yeah, and like is that, as is soon that, as I heard about this... I was like, okay, what other like? There's no way this is a core Fallout RPG. It's too right. Like that doesn't too early. Yeah, a it's too early, and B it doesn't fit in with Bethesda's IP cycle. Um, right. Like that doesn't make sense. Okay, so it's probably something genre breaking for them, um, mm-hmm. but builds off of fundamentals. And I know they've seen a lot of success with Fallout Shelter, and they implemented the whole settlement system fallout 4 so my first thought without even reading any theories was this is probably um a um uh why can't like a city builder yeah like a a management sim like a like a sim city but fallout related um right so like where you are the overseer of vault 76 and you're sending your people out and you're trying to build and adapt to this new nuclear wasteland like that's my which first sounds thought. very interesting that's interesting to me i I, would, I could get down with yeah, that i i would absolutely so the second rumor which has kind of gained more traction yeah. from some like, like anonymous Jason reports Schreier and stuff and through stuff, yeah, yeah through kotaku etc is that this is an online multiplayer game that has a lot of survival game elements right. so more in the vein of like a rust kind of game um 
which also makes sense given the time period of this in that it is Vault 76. They're the first ones to release out of the vault, the Reclamation Day, the fact that it's an empty vault, and so therefore everyone has already left right. into this big open world space. That makes sense as well given what we have seen from the trailer. That to me is far less interesting just because I don't want to play an online multiplayer game where there are other people that I'm interacting with because people, as we know, are absolute garbage and I don't want other people to be in charge of my fun. All right, hear me out, hear me out. Yeah, go for it. 100 vault dwellers emerge from a vault. Don't, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do that. No, no. How about 100 vaults drop onto an island? (laughs) (laughs) You are Vault 76. Um, So, yeah. I uh, can get down with that, too. I mean, you know I love survival games. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm fucking crazy about them. And I will say... As, as will be true of all of these like game reveals, because we're going to talk about the new Pokemon games, we're going to talk about Battlefield Five here in a bit. As with all of these, I have enough faith in the developer to assume that they will do a good job of making this. It's just that the initial reaction, and obviously excitement of seeing a new Fallout game probably, and then hearing Vault 76, seeing the trailer in those first couple of seconds, my initial thought was like, maybe this is a new single player game. Maybe it's on a smaller scale or has different kinds of elements, but like being insanely fucking pumped about that and then thinking it was more management sim, which is like I'm a little less interested in and now hearing like, oh, it's probably a co-op competitive online multiplayer survival game, which is not a genre I am interested in. I have faith and will trust in Bethesda to prove me wrong. It's just that initial reaction. I'm kind of bummed to see that this is what they're working on. But all of that with a grain of salt, we will obviously see more of this at E3. And uh, regardless of what it is, I am very interested in seeing more and want to like it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, Me me too, for sure. And I think like... Because because base building is such a big survival game aspect, like every survival game now has a base building component. Because right. like, as a player, you want to make your mark on the world, and you need like a place to build up and become more powerful and stuff. And with Fallout 4's, um, their their uh, the building system there, if they made some tweaks and improvements on it, um, I think that could be really cool to like build up bases and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that could. That has, I think that has a lot of potential. Um, and I like survival cool games. Set up. Yes. Yes. It is more the 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 uh, multiplayer aspect that does not appeal to me. Because, sure. like, if this was Fallout Minecraft, sign me the fuck up. But if it was, my, like, if Minecraft was a shared world with everyone where people could come in and ransack your shit and destroy your house... I would never play that game. Yeah, fuck that. Well, like game. with Rust, that's you can not have what I want. Private servers. So who's to say that won't I be guess. possible here, where you can just yeah. play like cooperatively with the people you like? The problem is, I'm not going to play this on PC. I will be playing this on PS4 because I don't really play PC games, and so that kind of limits the scope of that for one and for two. You're going to be playing it on PC because you're an asshole. So I'm gonna, I'm not going to have anyone to play this multiplayer game with. All right, just casually yeah, don't... throw out that I'm an asshole. <laughs> I guess we'll move on from that. So I don't I'm know. Harboring I mean, I, a little bit of resentment, Shay, about the asshole. I mean, clearly, comment. I'm harboring a lot. I'm harboring <laughs> a lot of resentment towards you. Uh, 
So yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see more of this. At least this helps frame a little bit of what we'll be seeing at Bethesda's E3 conference in addition to Rage 2. So kind of filling in those pieces a little bit, um, I don't know, makes it a little less nebulous about what their conference might entail. So I'm interested to see that. Yeah. Battlefield 5 has been revealed. Uh, we kind of knew that it was going to be Battlefield 5. There were rumors, and there were also rumors that it was going to be like World War II era. And so that has kind of been fully revealed, similar to how last episode we talked about the big Call of Duty reveal. To me, the Battlefield 5 was a little bit more... Like, they showed more. Like, I feel like I have a better grasp of what this game is versus um, Battlefield right. or Black Ops 4. So, it is World War II. It seems to be a very highly exaggerated version of World yeah. War II. Even more exaggerated than Battlefield 1 was with World War 1. Because there's, like, like one of the female characters has, like, a robotic arm. There are still, like, I saw a big blimp in the sky. Like, a lot of that kind of stuff still um, seems to be taking place. So... It seems interesting. I mean, it's just one trailer where it's really over the top. It felt like a multiplayer match, kind of the insanity in a multiplayer match. Um, But as far as the details go, there are a couple different stories on IGN and on Game Informer that I read through. So it will have a story mode, but it will be similar to Battlefield 1's, where it's more... A couple of small stories. Yes, yeah, vignettes, that's a good word for it, that act as a bit of a tutorial for the multiplayer. I did not enjoy that in Battlefield 1. Me neither. But apparently they got good feedback, because the story I read was talking about that in a positive way. So, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I I don't know. that It felt like like I was playing a tutorial, and I just, that's not interesting to me. Right. Um, yeah, it's in it the characters. It's very surface really level, right? And like, you don't spend enough time with any character to develop any sort to really of a care. connection. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, they're also completely changing their DLC model. I'm sure in reaction to the Battlefront Two bullshit. So in the past with Battlefield games, they've had some free maps. With this, all of the DLC will be free. Yeah. All of the new maps, all of the new game modes. Uh, all of the new guns will all be free. That's been a problem with Battlefield multiplayer for a long time is splitting player And base. Call of Duty, too. Yeah, yeah really split, any exactly. online game, splitting your player yeah. base has been an issue. Um, and, and I guess they have also said they're going to have some new single-player content, so it's like a single-player mission or whatever else. There is a co-op mode in this game, which I didn't get a ton of detail on, but presumably there would be new, because it's like a four-player co-op yeah. thing, so we'd get it's some like new, four player new stuff for that. co-op objective-based stuff. Yeah, which seems similar fun. to, um, what was it, in Modern Warfare 2, there was that co-op mode that were like little mini story missions. Oh, I don't, I don't remember, remember what it was called. Spec Ops. Yeah, it was a mode. I think it was in Modern Warfare 2 called Spec Ops. That was like a... You could play them solo or you can play them with two players. And they were like little short story missions that had objectives. I don't remember that anyway. in Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Are you sure that yeah. wasn't in like Black Ops? Yes. It was Modern Warfare 2. Because Modern Warfare 3 had the more kind of like horde mode right. co-op. I feel like I would have played more Spec Ops though. I don't know. It was there. It was okay. there. Um. So there will be that, and presumably some of the free content will come from there. So there will be... They're not doing loot boxes, but there will be cosmetic DLC and unlocks that you can pay real money for. But they have strictly said the only additional money players will be putting into Black Ops... Or, sorry, Battlefield Five is cosmetic stuff. 
So they're leaning more heavily into customizable characters as part of that, right. customizable guns, the looks, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of the stuff that you'll be um, charged real money for. And they have also said that there won't be anything that you can buy that you cannot earn in-game. Right. And there will be specific customizations that you can only earn in-game through doing challenges or whatever else, things that you cannot buy. Right. So. Certainly from at least talking the talk that they have learned their lesson, and this is a very positive change, we'll see how that affects the game. Because they're not going to be charging for DLC, the assumption would be that there will be fewer DLC releases, fewer new maps, fewer new gums, that kind of thing, because they're doing it for free. We'll see what happens. Uh, Smaller details about the game... So they want to encourage more cooperation across classes. So health is going to be harder to come by. Um, It's uh, ammo is going to be hard to come by. I think you're going to spawn with less ammo than you typically have just to make you rely more on the medic classes, more on the engineer classes, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, which I know a lot of people probably aren't going to be happy about because a lot of people like to play these, these games as like a lone wolf. Yeah, but I think that's less true of Battlefield than it is Call of Duty. What like when yeah. I was big into Battlefield 4 and Battlefield 1 for a bit there, the community did complain that the medic classes, that you know, the engineer classes weren't as useful because it was too easy to get that stuff on your own. It was too easy to lone wolf. They wanted more collaboration. So this seems like it's it's in reaction to that. Okay. I mean, and this um, seems like it would it'll be more fun to play as a medic. Because you're going to be doing more, and that's always my yes. favorite class to play is support. Right, you got you get so many points that way from revives and heals and stuff. Yeah, and like, I just like I like running into a gunfight with my defibrillators <laughs> out. Right, <laughs> like run and gun medic. It's one of my favorite things yeah. to do. Uh, also, bullet trajectories are gone, which is something that has been a staple of Battlefield for a while, especially like sniping, that kind of thing, where you had to aim above and account oh, for like the bullet drop this. off. So it's a lot more. Yeah, arcade. so that's gone. Exactly. Interesting. So it's just where you, where you aim is where you shoot. And in previous Battlefields, there was like randomization to bullets. Right. Where like, like especially with LMGs, like there was spread, and that they've they've really um, taken that down. I guess to make snipers easier to use and LMGs more popular to use. So we'll see. I'm sure, I mean, DICE, they're a talented studio. They're going to figure out yeah. how to balance that. So um, you can throw grenades back fucking finally. Yeah. That was one of always my most little annoyances about Battlefield. Stupid little blinking orange pulsing things that you couldn't throw yeah. back. Yeah. Tagging enemies will be more difficult because in the past, like, you could just kind of, like, aim and just spam the tag button and get a bunch of tags. So you can't do that anymore, which seems like, you know, it's nice being able to get points and tag a bunch of guys, but it makes sense for them to take that down. Yeah. Um, Well, especially if you're going to make the shooting and sniping easier, you kind of want to debuff the tagging system. Right. Um So uh, they're building on the destructibility. And to compensate, there's new fortification abilities where you can like rebuild some structures which i think is really fascinating that seems like a big change um or like you can add you can add like sandbags and um supply centers all that kind of stuff which seems pretty cool especially like the big big it sounds like they might be thinking about doing longer matches because i mean battlefield has always had longer matches but these kind of thing these kinds of setups it seems like installations you would only find useful in more attrition-like 
longer battles. So the new mode in Battlefield 1, I think, was called Conquest, where like there was like five different stages that you went through, and that will still be in Battlefield 5, and it seems like they're, they're looking at that as one of the main modes, where I think something like the fortifications would be useful. Because okay. um, it's... it's Conquest, it's kind of a mix of domination and another mode where, like, you progress. Like, you had to take A, then you take B, then you take C. It's a mix of those. It's like a bigger scale kind of version, which I really liked playing that mode in Battlefield 1. So, cool that they're kind of leaning into that. And then, finally, release date October 19th, which is the week after Call of Duty. Previous years, Battlefield tried to get out ahead of Call of Duty and release like the week before, two weeks before. And I think with Call of Duty coming out and announcing an early October release date, it kind of put uh, Battlefield in a tough spot to like, are they going to be able to release in September? Like the first week of October, that's really early. So now Call of Duty gets that advantage back. So that'll be interesting to see that, that battle happen between the two. Okay, and then the final big announcements are about the Pokemon games. So, I guess we could talk about Pokemon Quest first, since you played that. That is available now on Switch. It is a free-to-start game. You can download it for free and play. It seems to me to be very mobile-influenced. Like, you tap to combat and that kind of thing. Um, it's a really different style game as a Pokemon game. Really different look as well. It's Everything's like very cubed, vos- voxel-based. So, uh, tell me about how you enjoyed Pokemon Quest. Yeah, so I brought the Switch with me because I was working those two long events the past couple days. Um, right. And this is, I think free to start is the wrong term. And I think it's it's free to play. You can play the whole game without spending money. Oh, okay. I think free All to right. start is the wrong term. Because they had that Mario jump or whatever game where you could yes. play a bit of it and then you had to pay for it. This is, as far as I know, what I've read online and what I've experienced, that's not that way. Um, I'm okay. not super far into it, so I mean, I guess it could be, but I have not read online that that's something that happens, is that they gate that. Um, so, yeah, everything has that, like, cubivore, cutesy art style. Um, mm-hmm. So you start off and you have, like, 20 slots for Pokemon and 20 slots for these Power Stones, which you slot into Pokemon, and as Pokemon level up, they unlock more slots for Power Stones. And they're literally just, like, stat buffs. Like, their health increases, their attack increases... Or, or so those are the two things that you can increase the health and the attack, and there are like move stones which like give are like only certain Pokemon are compatible with certain element of move stones, and the certain and the move stones have like the biggest effect, um, like they affect because each Pokemon has like one or two moves, like Ekans has like Leer and Pikachu has Thundershock. And they're on, like, a timer in the actual levels. So you don't actually control Mm -hmm. the Pokemon during the levels. They run around and do their own thing. But you can put it on manual mode. And the only thing manual mode does is it allows you to choose when they use those abilities. That's the only thing Mm -hmm. controls. They still move around and attack on their own. Um, I just play it on auto. So, like, basically the only thing I'm doing is putting in power stones to increase their attack power and then also like through f- doing these levels and completing challenges you get ingredients and you throw ingredients into this cooking pot you have at your campsite and each time you cook depending on the number of ingredients or or uh, value of ingredients you have to do a certain number of 
levels until that timer expires and you and you attract a new Pokemon. Um, and then a Pokemon you attract is depend uh, is dependent upon what you put in the pot. Um, so like if you put a bunch of like fire mushrooms in the pot, you'll have a fire Pokemon come. Like if you make a spicy dish, right? If you make like a rock dish, a rock Pokemon will come. <laughs> like mm-hmm. and depending on the types of ingredients, like I put like a couple of higher tier rock mushrooms in instead of only taking two levels it's going to take four levels so i have to play four missions before the timer expires and i summon a pokemon but it's probably going to be a higher level pokemon than if i just put in the low quality stuff um Mm -hmm. if you get a duplicate pokemon you can use that pokemon to train and level up one of your other pokemon so that's what i've been doing um you can turn on or turn off evolutions. So if you already have like a Rapidash and you get a Ponita and you want to have like full level of both, then you can like turn off the Ponita's ability to evolve. Stuff like sure. that. Um, each level has. So like your, your team, each Pokemon has a value, and I think it's its health and its attack added together. Um, and then your team consists of three Pokemon. That's only three. Um, mm-hmm. And so. You can edit your team, and certain each level has like a, like oh this is a a one thousand value level. So as long as you're above a thousand, you should be able to beat it. And it also has a type like oh if you the, most of the enemies in this are grass, so fire is the bonus type. So you want to include fire Pokemon in this, and yeah. they'll have like a bonus and be more likely to succeed in the level. Um, yeah, I mean there's a, there's enough there to keep you coming back. But it sure. has the mobile game thing where you have a battery and you can only do missions when you have a charge in the battery uh, and it's a maximum of five. And every half an hour you get one battery back or certain challenges you complete give you battery back. Um, so it's one yeah. of those. Or you can pay money yeah. to recharge the battery. Right. Um, I get it. Yeah. Like I mean, it's a free game, right. but that's just such a bad way to design a free-to-play game. Like I would rather pay ten dollars for this, and then that's it. But that's so annoying. It's metered out in such a way that I found it to be fine because I don't think I would ever want to play more than that five batteries worth of the game. Right. Because each okay. time you beat a level, you're getting more power stones and ingredients. So each time I beat a level, I have to go through and make sure the power stones aren't better than the power stones that are in all of my Pokemon already, and then I can recycle yeah. them for more ingredients. Because um, you also have a limit on space. You only have, like, 20 slots in your backpack for power stones, and each time you assign one, it's still taking up a slot. It's just been assigned. Yeah. And then you get these, like, little credits through completing challenges, and every 22 or 24 hours or something, you get, like, a free 50 credits, which is enough to increase a storage slot in either the backpack or your Pokemon thing. Okay. So every 24 hours, you can increase the thing by 20. How many Pokemon Mm -hmm. you can have or how many Power Stones you can have. Um, Yeah, they they drip-feed you enough to keep you going, but if, like, you really wanted to grind some stuff out, you would need to spend the credits to get battery back to keep playing 
but those credits are also used for expanding your things. And like the more Pokemon you mm-hmm. get, the more Power Stones are you're going to be taking up slots with because they're going to be slotted into the Pokemon, and it keeps going. Well, and and frankly, like if you're playing it that much where you're running out of the battery, or whatever, it's probably worth it to dump some money into yeah, the game maybe because you're getting that much time out of it. So I guess that seems fair. I just don't enjoy that. I don't like the game telling me I'm only allowed to play it for this amount of time. Sure. Otherwise, I got to put money and in. There, I just and there that, are these decorations you get for beating these boss Pokemon in each of the area, which is like the final level in each area. Um, mm-hmm. And there's one that increases the battery capacity by, by one. So it goes up from five to six. Okay. So then sure. you can do six missions. Um, okay. And like you can potentially save up enough credits through challenges and dailies to be able to buy that on your own. That's mm-hmm. potential, too. So, it's okay. Well, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to check it out. I just, I, I meant to play it before this episode, and I completely spaced because I was doing other stuff. So, I'll, I'll definitely um, check that out. I mean, it's free, so why the hell not? Right. And it's Pokemons. So, they also announced Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. So, we talked about this last episode where that was the rumor of the title. We speculated that it was going to be kind of a remake of the old school Pokemon games with some Pokemon Go stuff. And that's literally exactly what this game is. So, good on us for knowing and anticipating everything Nintendo would do. That doesn't make me any more excited about what the game is. But, hey, we got it right. Um, I don't know, dude. It's, it's, It's one of those things where, like... This is fine because th- this isn't the Pokemon game that they announced at E3 last year. Right. That that core Pokemon game for Switch still is still coming. coming out late 2019. They didn't really give any details about it because it's not until late 2019 because they have Quest and Let's Go Pikachu slash Let's Go Eevee. I wouldn't imagine we'll see more of the core Pokemon game at E3. I can certainly hope. I'm but sure I they'll think. have a direct about that later this yes, year. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but for this game. It definitely seems more geared towards younger players and the more casual players that got into it via Pokemon Or Go. people that so fell like, off of Pokemon after, like, the first couple games. Fair enough. Yeah, people that have people that have been engaged in Pokemon Go, that more shallow Pokemon experience, this game is made for them. Yeah. It is not made for the hardcore Pokemon fans like you and I because they have simplified everything in the game. The way you catch Pokemon is much more simple. You use, you know, the gyroscopic uh, switch controller to throw the Pokeball. Combat seems really simplified. It has, you know, it's 3D graphics. It's like that mixed 2D, 3D kind of perspective, but it's very cutesy. Um like gearing towards that younger yeah, audience exaggerated proportions and stuff yeah like the the pokemon follow you around which is cool that that yeah. has been missing and you can from apparently the past have games. any pokemon follow you right that but that's how it used to be too no and like pokemon yellow the only pokemon you could have follow you is pikachu right but in like heart gold and all the the more recent oh. ones it could be any sure pokemon. yeah but I don't think that feature has been in, like, I don't think that was in Sun and Moon. I don't think they could follow you in Sun and Moon. But I might be wrong. I just remember seeing people online, like, oh, Pokemon follow you again. Like, it was something that has been yeah. missing. Also, like, the bigger Pokemon but, you can ride. Right. Um, yeah, so, obviously, it's called Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. So, those are the main two Pokemon. Like, if you pick the Pikachu one, he's your dude, and you can kind of customize him and... Um, dress him up and you can do the same with Eevee those two Pokemon cannot evolve but you can catch Pikachu and catch Eevee that can evolve it's just these core ones cannot this is only the original 151 
I heard they original said 150, which makes me think Mew is not in it. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, but they will have, there is a brand new Pokemon that will be in this game. So they haven't said what it is, if it's an evolution or whatever else, but it will be a new Pokemon in this game. Um, I guess there are some Alolan or Alolan variations right. as well. So not new Alolan Pokemon, but I don't know if like the Alolan Pikachu might be in this game. I hope the Alolan Vulpix, the ice one. Oh, he's icy? Yeah, That's yeah, cool. that'd be cool. Um, so I don't know, dude, like all of the Pokemon Go integration, because like you can, if you catch a Pokemon in Pokemon Go, you can bring them over to Let's Go. Yes. And like you unlock that at a certain point in Let's Go. So I guess we should kind of say. It's not off the bat. You unlock it. Like, I think you said something like halfway through the game, you would be able to do that. From, from a story perspective, this is basically a retelling of Pokemon Yellow, which is basically a retelling of the animated show. Um, so. Depending on what more we see of this, I'm probably going to get it. It just it seems so dumbed down and so kitty focused that I just don't know that I'm going to enjoy my time with right. it. It just seems like there isn't so, enough there. Yeah. Because like the, there are no HMs. Like having to use cut and strength and stuff outside of battle, that's not in the game. Yeah. So it's just like and anything that might confuse a five-year-old, they're taking out. And so, like, if a game is designed for five-year-olds, not sure I'm going to get a ton out of it. Right. So, we'll see. It's still Pokemon. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I liked playing Skylanders. It was fun. Fair enough. It was super simple. It was, like, a it was yeah. a dumb, fun thing to do. So, maybe this is also going to be dumb, fun. And you, hey, you and your fiancé can both throw Pokeballs at the same time. Yeah, you can play co-op. Whoop-de-woo. Uh, and it comes out November 16th, so that's coming this year, so at least we won't have to wait that long to find out if this sucks or not. Right. I'm sure I'm sure tons of people will love this sure. game. I'm sure this this will probably sell more than the core Pokemon game will, because this is attractive to all the Pokemon Go fans, of which there are millions and millions and millions. Right. So, I don't know. It is what it is. They're making Pokemon games for a bunch of different audiences. You certainly can't fault them for that. I just wish that the core Pokemon game was the one coming out soon. Because that's the one I want to play. Um, there was also a, a recent report that came out about some unused Pokemon assets from Gold and Silver. So it was a really early demo of the game that was never released, obviously. That has a bunch of, like, unused new Pokemon. So, like, there was a far-fetched evolution. They had different sprite designs for the legendary Pokemon, the um, Raikou, Entei, and Suicune. They had, uh, like, a different evolution for Hoot Hoot before they went with the Knocked Out, like, a different starter Pokemon. There's a really cool thing. I'll link... There's a forum post that kind of breaks down everything and kind of shows all the sprites and the names of them. So I'll link that in the show notes. It's just a fun for Pokemon nerds like us. It's fun to look through and see like what Pokemon might have been uh, in this earlier version of Pokemon Gold and Silver. Yeah. Uh, okay, we also got confirmation that of the new Assassin's Creed game. So we talked last episode via that Walmart leak that there was a new Assassin's Creed. There was no sub- subtitle. It was just Assassin's Creed. So we speculated, oh, will this be a brand new Assassin's Creed game? Could it be a sequel to Assassin's Creed Origins? Could it be an Assassin's Creed remaster of the first game? And so now we know it's called Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It takes place in ancient Greece. And it uses like a Spartan helmet kind of in the Assassin's Creed logo. This is 
99% a sequel to Origins yeah. and will be starring Bayek because of the time period that where it takes place. I'm cool with that. We talked about this last time where I put so much time into Origins. I don't really know that I want another Origins game like this year, this soon. But I could get down with this. Assuming it's it feels different than the desert areas and it's more building out more of the city feel, which kind of was uh, spaced out here and there in Origins, that would be different enough to make it feel cool and different, um, different enemy types, that sort of thing. And I like Bayek as a character, so we'll see more at E3, obviously, but uh, I can get down with this. I could be excited about this. Presumably it will release this fall or um, early next year. Yeah. Um, also falling in line with the Walmart leaks, we have officially gotten an announcement for Lego DC Villains, which was one of the leaked games from that. Uh, it, uh, it takes place in a world where the Justice League has disappeared, is what they say. And um, looks like from the trailer that you're starting with a character that you customize, and then presumably you can play also as the different uh, DC villains. So there's just a little trailer for it. Looks cute. I haven't really been into Lego games for a while, but I appreciate them from afar. Do you think the Justice League disappeared because the movie was so bad? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) They're all hiding. They have their heads buried in the sand. Um, Okay, more... um, kind of announcements so apparently there's a remaster of borderlands coming yeah because the koreans rating the korean ratings board has rated the first borderlands for playstation 4 and xbox one so this would make sense because they're still working on borderlands 3 we have the borderlands handsome handsome collection which had borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel remasters so this is kind of closing the loop on that we could very well get an announcement of this at e3 i certainly wouldn't be surprised to see that I don't really care. I, I mean, I like the first Borderlands. I don't really need to go back and play it yet again on new consoles. I had no interest in the Handsome Collection either. Just give me Borderlands 3. Right. I don't need to replay these games. Um, but I guess for folks that didn't play it, who knows? I'm, I'm, it makes sense that they're doing this. Wolf Among Us Season 2 has been delayed. It was supposed to launch this fall, but it won't start until 2019. As long as they're taking their time and getting it right, working on their engine so that it doesn't suck ass, that's fine with me. Just make it good. Yes, please. Uh, okay, so then we have... Um, okay, so this has been a really long-running story that we talked about because this was a huge fucking deal where Disney came in and bought 21st Century Fox. Or I guess like made a big bid on 21st Century Fox where they were going to acquire Fantastic Four, X-Men, Deadpool, etc., that is has been accepted, but it's still going through like the verification process. During this, Comcast has come in and outbid Disney to purchase all of those 21st Century Fox assets. So this is pretty fucking crazy. Because apparently Disney had offered $53 billion for all of this. It was mostly in stocks. Compact, Comcast has come out, and there isn't like a... a I don't think there was like a firm number that has been revealed, but allegedly it's like in the 60 million or 60 billion range. And they offered it in cash, like straight up cash money, not in stocks, which is obviously much more valuable for a company that is cash poor like Fox. Right. So this would mean that X-Men, Deadpool, Fantastic Four would not be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe and would instead be owned by Comcast. This is bad news, Bears. Yeah, dude. 
Like, if there's a company we don't want to have more power and more say over the things that we love, it's fucking Comcast. So, this new offer hasn't been accepted. There's still the chance that Fox would go with Disney's bid because they're farther along in that process. They know that Disney would take better care than Comcast would, theoretically. But they're also a company that is up against the rope and they need money. So, you certainly couldn't blame them for taking the better deal. Disney could come back and match that offer or outbid it, do whatever they want. So, that's just something to watch where this could go south real quick from the very much high of everyone being excited that Marvel was going to get all their shit back to now thinking that maybe Comcast could take it. That's like a nightmare scenario. So uh, Spectrum bought Comcast, right? I don't know. Because I have Spectrum Internet. I can't remember. No, it was Time Warner. Spectrum now owns Time Warner. That's right. Because they keep trying to push their streaming service like their new mm. streaming platform on me. Mm-hmm. I've gotten four mm. phone calls about it. So I got yeah. one phone call. I was like, no, that's not interesting. I don't want that. Second call, I already said no. Third call, I've said mm-hmm. no twice. Fourth call, you better mm-hmm. not call me again. <laughs> waiting for that fifth yeah. call so I can yell my head off and take all of my anger yeah. out on a person who is just trying to earn a living. You're building up some resentment yes, towards Comcast. as it turns out. Um, okay, so we already talked a little bit about the Obi-Wan movie, but um, there's just a report that came out that Disney is still working on that, as well as the rumored Boba Fett movie they are still working on. So that puts the current Star Wars films in development at nine. Because we have Episode Nine, Obi-Wan, Boba Fett, Ryan Johnson, director of The Last Jedi, has his own Star Wars trilogy he's working on. And David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the creators of Game of Thrones, have their own Star Wars trilogy that they're working on. That is nine Star Wars films that are in That's development. so many. That is way too many Star Wars films. As one of the biggest Star Wars fans on the, on the planet, that is too many Star Wars and movies. And there's a TV Come on. show, right? Yes, and yeah, uh, John Favreau has this live-action TV show. There are other animated shows that are in development still. Good Lord. Yeah. It's a lot of Star Wars content. More than we need, I think. Um, But the Obi-Wan, or sorry, the Boba Fett is definitely moving forward. James Mangold, who is the director of 310 to Yuma and recently Logan, he is attached to write and direct that movie, which I could get down with that. Those are both really cool anti-hero kind of like films that feel genre um, correct. Yeah. Or I guess style correct for a movie like Boba Fett. So that seems like a match made in heaven to me. Yeah, that sounds good. There's no one attached for Obi-Wan yet. They're still working on that. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what they would do with Boba Fett. Because he's such an anti-hero in the books, obviously, in the movies. All we know about him is that he's a badass bounty hunter that catches Han Solo and then dies like a bitch with the Sarlacc pit. Well... well, we don't know if this is a prequel or if this takes place after. We don't know. We when also this don't takes know place. if he actually died in the Sarlacc pit. Well, but that's my point. We don't know if this takes place before the original oh, okay. trilogy or if he survived and this takes place afterwards. But my point is, in the books, afterwards he becomes more of an anti-hero where he's trying to like get the Mandalorians back together. He's trying to be a leader and still struggling with being a bounty hunter, whatever. But in the movies, all we know of him is that he's a villain. Like, he's a bad guy. 
So I'm curious to see how they're going to adapt that. If they're going to soften him a little bit and make him more of that anti-hero. Um, where it would be more like the Punisher kind of thing. Where like he's a bad guy who does bad things, but he does them for a good reason. I could see that working stylistically for a Boba Fett movie. Yeah. Oh, also in Solo, I forgot. I did appreciate mm-hmm. the reference to Bosk. Yes, that was fun. Yeah. My, I, I think want my a favorite movie. moment... He's so cool. <laughs> My favorite moment from Solo was the first time where Chewie took over the co-pilot seat yeah. and Han kind of like looks over at him. That gave me the Star Wars feelies. I like yeah. that moment. So many of the other like Star Wars callbacks I found to be tedious and on the nose and annoying. That one I did enjoy. Uh, but yeah. Okay, so we're also getting a new Spawn movie <sighs> starring Jamie Foxx as Spawn. I don't think I've seen the originals. It is hot trash. Well, it was just oh, one okay. movie. It's really bad. It is awful. Awful, awful, awful movie. It has a cult following because it is awful in a fun way, but it is a bad movie. Uh, Todd McFarlane, who is the creator of Spawn, um, also created Venom, he is slated to write and direct this. He has never directed a movie before. So that'll go well, I'm sure. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, I guess Uh, if there's a low stakes franchise to give to someone for the first movie, it's Spawn. Yeah. Uh, they did come out and say that uh, this won't be an origin story, which is good, um, and that Spawn won't be that um, – he won't have that many lines, which fits in with the comic book version of Spawn, and that they want this to be the first movie in a trilogy. To that, I would say, for a first-time director directing a movie about a character no one gives a shit about anymore, maybe try to make one good one before you try to make a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Get people interested in one Spawn movie, and then you can make more. That would be my like advice. Deadpool. But exactly. Uh, Netflix is publishing a comic book, which is pretty interesting. There's a trailer on their YouTube channel, which I'll link in the show notes. It's called The Magic Order, and is written by Mark Millar, who is like one of the dudes in comics right now. Uh, it takes place in like a well, granted, just going from this trailer, obviously, it takes place in like a realish modern times but where magic exists and there's some sort of like secret order that's killing uh magic people and that's kind of like the story of the comic it looks cool the trailer is a bit of a motion like they take the um comic panels and kind of like animate them so it's a pretty neat when i first saw the trailer i thought it was like an animated movie sort of thing with that style but it's i mean it just is a comic book it's coming out june 13th on your comic book stands I'm interested. I might check it out if I ever go back to the comic book store, which I haven't been in like six months. I might get the trade. It looks cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then finally, Matt Groening, creator of The Simpsons and Futurama, has a new show coming to Netflix August 17th. 20 episodes. I'm fucking pumped as shit. Oh, man. This is one of those things where like I didn't know that I wanted this. Like I didn't know that he would ever make a new show. And so, like, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is the thing I need that I didn't know that I needed. <laughs> um, so, it is called Disenchantment. It's uh, The main character is a described as a hard-drinking young princess <laughs> Which sounds good. named Bean, who has a sidekick elf named Elfo, <laughs> and a personal demon that follows her around called Lucy. And it takes place in the kingdom of Dreamland. Uh, so, all everything about this just sounds fantastic. Yeah. 
Uh, it's obviously a very like high fantasy kind of style. Uh, animation style is his style, like The Simpsons, like Futurama. I don't know, dude. I, like I could not be more excited to see what the show is. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super. I pumped. really love Harmon Quest, which is um, Dan Harmon. Um, right. It's his D and D thing, like little show that's on all these like weird third-rate streaming services. And yeah, really I think it was on CISO. I think it was on, yeah, CISO, which I think is NBC's streaming platform, okay. which now no longer exists. Right. And I know this because we met with one of the VPs of CISO about Dreamers. Oh, good thing. And we were kind of, not like serious talks, but he was very interested in the show. We were kind of had a little bit back and forth with him, and then CISO got shut down. Well, hey, maybe <laughs> Dreamwriters could have saved CISO. Yeah, maybe. Um <laughs> But uh, so he he does this D and D thing where one of his friends DMs and then he brings all of these like pretty well known in his circle comedians and actors on as like right. special guests for their campaign um, as like little one off characters um, and they have someone go in after the fact and animate segments of it um, okay. and so like that kind of D and D high fantasy an- like funny animation. I, I love it. I really love it. Like, yeah. I wish I yeah. had someone animate the crazy bullshit that's happening in my campaign because it's hilarious. Right. It's really funny. Um, and so, like, something like this, I think, will totally scratch that itch. Yeah. It sounds – it's a great idea. It fits right in his kind of wheelhouse of comedy. And just, like, just the description of the characters and the world, like, you just know that this is, like, it's a hard-drinking princess named Bean and her elf companion named Elfo. Right. Like, it's just, like, it's the dumb Matt Groening shit that you yeah. want in a Matt Groening show. I'm super excited. So that's going to wrap up news now that we are three hours into this Ooh. podcast. Yeah, this is a doozy, but it's it's a good one. So – before we jump into hate of the week, which will be a short thing, I did want to, since E3 will happen in between the next episodes, and I do want to mention next episode is going to be kind of our E3 extravaganza. So last year, which were the first podcasts we did on Shea Hates Everything, so we're closing in on a year of Shea Hates Everything Ooh, podcasts. Boy. We kind of did separate podcasts for like Sony and then Nintendo, Microsoft, etc., we're probably going to try to do just like one big hit E3 recap podcast. So that'll be next episode. So we might not talk about kind of games and stuff we've been playing. We might not talk about extra news and just kind of focus on E3. So look forward to that as the next episode. But since this is our last chance pre-E3, we've talked a little bit about kind of what we want to see, a little bit about predictions. Just kind of wanted to give a last opportunity for like the things you are most excited to see slash the things you most hope to see at E3. So I'll let you go first and, and give me a couple of Okay, those. um so we have like so they uh, not that long ago, I guess. I'm not sure exactly when. Maybe it was a couple months. Um Overkill's The Walking Dead game released like little character trailers. Yes. And so I'm wondering it, I still don't really know a lot about that game. I think it's going to be something right. more in a Left 4 Dead vein, like a four-player co-op. They announced thing. that like 2 years yeah, ago with that like trailer of like just a wall and you can see some shadows playing and you can hear like yeah. bad shit happening on I totally forgot about that yeah. game. Yeah. So Overkill's The Walking Dead, they've since released four character trailers. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's going to be like a Left for Dead kind of setup, which is I could see could that. Could be okay. Um Yeah. I really want a Xenosaga HD trilogy. <laughs> Still <Well>. <laughs> forever <laughs> and always. That that I'll, I'll call that a long yep. shot, but who knows, maybe someday. Um, 
I'm with yeah. you on that. I would play the shit out of that. Anything concrete on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Literally anything right. concrete. Right. To know that it still exists. Yeah, and like <laughs> what the state is in. I want to see like some final yeah. UI gameplay looking stuff. What what kind of exactly. game it even is? Because like they were talking about it being a, an episodic game. Like what the yeah. fuck so is it's, this It's even? episodic and it's a real-time action. Like I want to see how all this stuff works. Um, right. I want to actually understand what Death Stranding is. Okay. I'm, I mean, we will obviously be seeing a lot of Death Stranding. That doesn't Stranding mean we're going to understand conference. a minute of it. So I want to exactly. be able to understand that, that was, <laughs> that was going to be my next <laughs> point is we, we're probably going to see 15 to 20 minutes of Death Stranding, but that doesn't mean you're going to understand fucking anything about it. <laughs> right. So I want to be able to understand it. That's my pie in the sky hope. Yeah. Um, and then I want Anthem to look good. Yes. Agreed um, on that. And lastly, because I wrote my stuff after you wrote yours. So literally everything mm-hmm. on your list, I'm like, yes, too. Um, okay. But I want a Splinter Cell that is not open world. Interesting. You just I want, want a, like a, traditional a traditional mission Splinter structure, Cell. campaign focused Splinter Cell that has co-op. Okay. Like Conviction. Okay. All right. I could, yeah, I could get excited about that, too. That's not what it's going to be, but... Right. I, I more think of Splinter Cell as being open world because that's been the rumor. And as well, I mean, it's Ubisoft. Those are the only games they make, so it makes more sense. I could get excited about a more traditional Splinter Cell, but I could also get excited about an open world Splinter Cell. Yeah, I think Cell. I could, so either too, way, yeah. works for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I guess just a quick mention, there will be a new uh, Anthem trailer this week. So the week before right. E3, I don't remember the date. They put out they put out a Twitter teaser for, their, for their teaser trailer that will be teasing Anthem information at E3. So they put out a teaser for a teaser of a teaser for the conference. What the fuck is Which is, is technically a teaser for the game. Yes. So we're like 5 layers knows? deep. This is not a burrito, people. This is bad marketing. <laughs> oh, dude, I want some chocolate. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> so yeah um i agree with you i definitely hope anthem looks good and proves to me that that will not be another destiny yeah. or the division um so I, I have a lot of stuff on my list i uh some of it is more realistic of like i know this is going to be there and i want to see it some of it's more maybe please please show this but honestly there's been a lot of stuff that was already announced so it's hard to because, like, all the Walmart leaks, and then, like, Nintendo came out and announced these new Pokemon games, which probably means we won't see the core Pokemon game. Obviously, we know Battlefield Five exists, and that's going to be there. Like, all that kind of big stuff we know about already. So, I guess from Nintendo, I really want to see more from the new Smash game that's coming out this year. And specifically, I want it to be a new Smash game. I don't want it to be an HD upgrade of the Wii U version, just with some Splatoon characters. I want it to be a new Smash game. Um, I want to see, uh, oh, so I, we're going to see more from Let's Go, obviously. I want there to be a lot of detail about it to help me make up my mind on whether or not I want to sure. play it. That's kind of where it comes down Because there's still a there. lot of speculation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to get a lot of Last of Us 2 gameplay. I'm excited to see that and see how things have oh, changed. Yeah. Hopefully, they've kind of built on the puzzle mechanics more because that was one of the complaints I had about the first game. Um, Splinter Cell we talked about. So Bethesda's is difficult. I'm excited to see more Fallout 76 because, obviously. I'm excited to see more Rage 2, obviously. I still hold out hope that we will get some sort of announcement trailer or a teaser or something for either Elder Scrolls 6 or Starfield or whatever their new IP is. 
I'm still holding out hope that maybe they'll close the press conference with just a teaser trailer so that we know what the other game is. What other big solo or single player experience are they working yeah. on? That's just what I want to know. Because, like, Bethesda... Even if it's not going to come out until fall next yeah, year. Yeah, like, Bethesda leading up to Fallout 4, do you remember they had this video about, like, oh, save the single player RPG? Right. Like, they right. had... Oh, who is it? Like, was it, like, a Lanamora set or something? Was, like... Save the single-player RPG. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like, right. All oh, the games want to go online nowadays. Let's save it. And then like, it was like one of those mm-hmm. like save the African children things. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe in a little bit of poor taste, but funny. Um, mm-hmm. So, so now, like Fallout seventy six, they're like, oh, this is a multiplayer thing. What single player are they working on? What is that? Right. Apart exactly. From rage. Exactly. That's where I'm coming from. Uh, and then we're obviously going to get more Kingdom Hearts 3, which I'm excited to see. And I want to get a firm 2018 release yeah. date so that we know that it's not delayed. I, I'm assuming it's coming out in November, I would guess, if it's going to hit this year. And then the last three are more pie-in-the-sky hopes, things that we don't know anything about, really, that I want to see. So Cyberpunk 2077, right. we know that's a video game. We know that um, CD Projekt Red is working that. on that. But I want to see them fully unveil it. What is it? Because there have been a bunch of rumors going around that it isn't just a single-player RPG, that it has a lot of multiplayer mechanics, whatever else. So I would just want to know. And then uh, I want to see Respawn Star Wars game. Right. We we know it's a shooter. We know it's going to have multiplayer. But we also know it's going to have a single-player campaign. I want to see yeah. that. If they just make Titanfall 2 but Star Wars, 100% I am down Me with too. that. That sounds awesome as shit. Just like... When EA was work, Motive was working on the single player Star Wars game, which was it was basically like Uncharted but Star Wars, and that sounds amazing. Titanfall two but Star Wars sounds just as amazing. So I'm, I want to see that. And then there have been rumors for a while about a new Bioshock game. Uh, I would love for that uh, to be revealed. It would probably be at like the Microsoft press conference. Probably sure. they would reveal that. Um, but obviously we know it's not going to be irrational. We know it's not going to be Ken Levine working on okay, it. Okay, I want. But I think someone else can make a good Bioshock game. So I would love for that to be announced. Those are kind of my, my pie-in-the-sky hopes there. Yeah, because, frankly, I think Irrational made, like, one-and-a-half good Bioshock games. <laughs> so I bet yeah. someone else can make I mean, one. I mean, I still really like Infinite, but certainly not as much as the original. Right. And Bioshock 2 is much better than that game gets credit for. Yes. I like the multiplayer. Yeah. I it thought was, it was it cool. was Right. Fun for what it was. Absolutely. Well, uh, okay. What about a what? new Resistance game? Eh, eh. We haven't heard from that I in thought, a long time. Yeah, but it's Insomniac. They're working on Spider-Man. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah, that's true. And like, I thought the third Resistance game was kind of bad. Resistance two, two, that had the co-op multiplayer, like class-based co-op multiplayer where you did all the missions. I think I it was no two. Idea. It was two. Uh, yeah. Because Resistance be right. 3 was late PS3. I think yes. was, I think it's Resistance 2 that had all of the co-op missions. Mm-hmm. My, my buddy and I played a lot of that. That was a lot of fun. I really liked the, the first game was great. As a PS3 launch game, that game was yeah. awesome. And I liked the second one a little less, but I enjoyed it. The third one I thought was kind of bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that seems like kind of probably a dead IP to me. I don't know. I feel like if someone were to make it, it wouldn't be Insomniac, and yeah. I don't know if Sony owns it. 
because Insomniac's second party with them. I don't know if Sony owns Insomniac, right. if Sony owns Resistance. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and I mean, we we're like obviously Insomniac has Spider-Man coming out this year. They have already announced that they're working on a new Ratchet and Clank game, which is presumably their next big project. So yeah. that doing, that like, seems the like Spyro a, a remaster. They are not working on that. But like they they have farmed that out, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of our kind of last ditch hopes and dreams and predictions and what we want to see from E3. So we'll see if any and all of that comes to fruition in just like a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah, week. a week. Holy shit. A week from the oh day God, we're recording so this. Bethesda, yeah. kicking it off. And um, I will say I have not put it together yet. Last year I did a pie in the sky hopes for E3. For the 2017 E3, that was more of a joke post that uh, was a lot of fun. I had a good time putting that together. I'm going to do a E3 predictions for this year post on Shea Hits Everything. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a serious one or a joke one, um, but keep on the lookout for that this week on the site. Okay. Did you want to say the conference schedule? Go for it if you have it pulled up. Okay. Um, ba, 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 ba. So Saturday, June 9th is EA's conference at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Sunday, June 10th is Microsoft at 4 p.m. Eastern. Bethesda at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And Devolver Digital, which I'm very much looking forward to, at 11 p.m. Eastern. Monday, yeah. June 11th is Square Enix at 1 p.m. Eastern. Ubisoft at 4 p.m. Eastern. And then the PC Gaming Show at 6 p.m. Eastern. And Sony's is then at 9 p.m. Eastern. So Monday's is a 1, 4, 6, 9 Eastern uh, uh, setup. And then Tuesday, Nintendo's whole thing starts at uh, noon Eastern time. Yeah, I took off work for Monday. I did not end up taking off work for Tuesday, which I kind of regret. Um just because I, I didn't want to take off a whole day just to do the Nintendo sure. one. But I will I will be live tweeting, as I always do. I will be live tweeting the press conferences at Shea underscore Castle on Twitter. So check it out there. Um, it's always a fun time. I always take off Monday from work because I like to watch all the press conferences and stuff that day and that weekend. It's an exciting video game weekend. Yeah. One of like the best video game times of yeah. the and year. And continuing my tradition of E3, I work friday saturday sunday <laughs> so i miss ea um and microsoft i should be done and home and ready to watch by the time bethesda rolls around on sunday but yeah. i'll have to be like piecemealing articles on my new chromebook which i couldn't do last right. year um on saturday and sunday but sunday's group yeah. is notoriously needy and pieces of shit so i will probably be busy <laughs> the entire time compensating for their ineptitude and, I mean, on ShadesEverything.com, I probably won't do, like, big news update posts like a lot of the larger publications do just because I don't really see a lot of value in that. Like, yeah, let me find another place to post the trailer that everyone is already watching. Um, I will be doing a Hottest Games of E3 post after E3 closes. And I may do some posts here and there during the conference if there's a big thing that I want to talk about. So just check out ShadesEverything.com for E3 Fun shit. So before we wrap, let's do a real quick hate of the week. Hate of the week. 
So this hate of the week belongs to people that complain about truth in advertising and like uh, you know, for the last several years, there have been all these stories about, like, companies that airbrush their models and photos and that stuff. So it's not about people complaining about that. I don't have a problem with people complaining about that. The problem I have is that people complain about that, and then they go and edit all of their own photos before they upload them to Instagram. And so it's like this this idea that we expect corporations to give us real women and real people, but we are not willing to present ourselves as real women and real people. And that annoys the shit out of me. And really, like, this has been something that's been on my mind for a while, but it really came to a head. I went to a Atlanta Braves game last week, and there was a group of, like, four or five early 20s girls sitting in a row behind us. And... They can do whatever they want. It's totally fine. They were just chit-chatting the whole game. I found it to be quite annoying because they were being annoying and talking. And it was about a, like just random chit-chat bullshit. But one of the things they were talking about early on in the game, one of them made mention of some ad that she saw where it was a really obviously photoshopped woman and how that was annoying. And then like an hour later, they were all talking about this app they had on their phone, which I can't remember the name of because it's stupid. We're like, you, it's basically like a mini Photoshop where you upload your photo, you can edit it, you can whiten your teeth, you can make yourself more tan, you can get rid of facial blemishes, and how they always used that before uploading to Instagram. And like the hypocrisy yeah. of that is completely unbelievable to me and how they cannot even acknowledge that hypocrisy is also unbelievable to me. Like how do you not recognize that in yourself Should have said that you're being a hypocrite? Shay. I'm sure it would have gone over really well. Yeah, it's well. not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. They probably would have called me a sexist because that's the easy way to ignore any man's yeah. opinion. Um, so Bring that was very patriarchy. frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's just there was another – and this is a bit of a different argument but it's in a similar vein – so I think it's Me Undies, which is a really popular like underwear company. They do a lot of Facebook advertisement, where they had an ad several weeks ago in it with a woman who was like plus size, and not just like a normal plus size model where she's still super hot and skinny, but she's a size four, and so that makes her plus size or whatever the fuck. This was like this woman, like she had very like wide hips, a big butt, and they like she had cellulite on her legs, big thighs, like. It was a quote-unquote real woman that was obviously not an edited photo. And in the comments, everybody is lauding this, which I totally agree with, of saying, like, this is amazing. This is, like, that's what my legs look like. And now I am seeing that in advertising where it is no longer having this across-the-board, unattainable, you know, uh, ideas on what beauty is. And, like, I can 100% get behind all of that. My problem is that... Standing next to her in the photo is a male model who is 6'5", ripped as shit, six-pack, giant pecs, huge arms, like handsome dude with the slick back hair. Where's the plus-size male models? That's what I want to know. Like, not even are there quote-unquote real men who have, like, beer bellies and hairy shoulders in pictures like this but we don't even have quote-unquote plus size male models like dudes that don't have six-pack abs every single dude that you see either weighs 100 pounds and he's just sticking bones or he's built like a fucking rocks like uh like wwe star and so that really annoys me that 
with all the momentum that is shifting for women, which granted have it a lot worse than men when it comes to standards of yeah. beauty. There's a lot more pressure put on women than put on men. But it's like, why can't we do both? Why can't we only change female models? Why can't we also change male models? What, what's the difference? So that that is just very frustrating to me that in the comments, a couple of men were saying, like me, this is great for women, but what is this doing for men? And then women replying to those comments and being like, oh, of course, you have to make it all about you. You can't just be happy for women, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's such a shitty, that's just a shitty, selfish way to look at it. I'm fully acknowledging that this is a very positive step for women in advertising and for standardization of beauty and representation. That's all phenomenal. But and I'm not trying to take anything away from that. I'm just saying, why not me too? That's all I'm saying. Why is that bad to want it for men too? It's like we're not allowed to complain. Like white men, we're not allowed to complain because everyone else has it worse. And I just feel like that's a really selfish way to look at the world. Like me complaining about this for me takes away nothing of the struggles of women and my support for that. It's just, I don't know. It, it's, that's really frustrating. And, and I don't mean to say, like, white men are oppressed. That's not what I'm saying. That's a ridiculous argument. But I'm just saying, like, why not us too? Like, let us also see improvements from these things. You know? Yeah. I agree. I feel like you're not 100% on board with that. Um, I guess just, like, for me... I mean, yeah, because I can only speak for me. I mean, like, I don't need truth in advertising for me, I guess. And, like, Mm -hmm. you can only reasonably expect progress. Like, you you can't expect everything to be fixed at once. And... (sighs) Like, as much as you don't intend to take away from what they're feeling and, and the changes that women are seeing in advertising and stuff and the positive effects of that, as much as you don't mean to take away from it, by even inserting yourself into the argument, you are taking away from it because it, it's you're, you're adding a different focus to the conversation that doesn't need to... Mm. Not that it doesn't need to be there, but maybe that's not the place for it. But what other place is there? My, like, look at this specific example where they have this plus-size woman with cellulite on her legs in a photo next to the male model with a six-pack. All they needed to do was also hire a male model that's paunchy and has a hairy chest. Why is that difficult? What does that take away to just ask for that? Why is that a problem? Yeah, I guess. The... The comparison I was going to use is the Black Lives Matter and then the All Lives Matter. But right. I get that's not necessarily perfectly analogous to this situation. And that that's my because yes, you can draw that parallel, but that was my argument is those are not the right. Same those aren't the same. You're like right. this is a specific this is a specific the Black Lives Matter is a specific movement based on specific things that happened that are only happening to that group. Right. This this is not only happening to women. It has been happening to men and women since the dawn of time. Right. It's just that we hold women to a higher standard, and so they see the negative effects of that more than men, and they typically care about that kind of thing more than men do. And like you saying, like you don't really care about that. That's yeah, it totally doesn't fine. negate that's the fact that other men do. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's fair. And that's all that's I'm fair. like. That's all I'm saying is it's like include us in that. I feel like that should be the push is for unanimous truth in this. Why are we not? Why are we not unanimously pushing for this? Why is it piecemeal? That doesn't make any sense sure. to me. And why would the reaction be okay if I'm I'm a woman and I have problems with the way that I'm represented in media? They're now changing that. That is very good. A man has problems with how he is being portrayed in the media, being represented. I am going to have a problem that he is complaining about that. That's exact. like women for years have complained about men not supporting this, about men being shallow and like, oh, I'd rather see a hot chick. Like that's been the complaint that women have railed against men. And very fairly, I might add, there are plenty of sexist men who don't care about this, don't support this, and would rather it be a bunch of hot chicks all the time. Why? I don't know. It's not like you know the person. It's like you're going to be banging this girl. Why do you give a shit that she's hot or not? So I get I get that. But now women are just doing the same thing that they accused men of doing. They're not also supporting it. There's like women are effectively saying, I would rather it be a hot guy than a paunchy guy. Even if they're not explicitly saying that, they're they're going along with that. They're saying the status quo is fine. You disagree with the status quo, but I think it is fine. And that's so sexist. And like almost even worse because they're they're saying men were doing this bad thing it's because their whole platform is built upon that i mean that's that's a little more of a generalization than i'm trying to make like i don't agree that all feminism is based on bringing men down in order to raise no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying like their whole platform is built upon um how men view women in advertising and like right how we view them as sex objects mm-hmm. that's their whole platform if they then turn around and do that to men it breaks apart the entire platform and w- w- because of the hypocrisy right. and so like right that's why i'm saying it's almost worse for women to do that than men because yeah i mean you know, yeah i i was i was saying that and as i was saying it i disagreed because men caused the problem in the first place so i don't think it's worse that women yeah, are maybe doing not worse it, but i guess it's different. like yeah i mean it's 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 less like you would think like if if you accuse someone else of doing a bad thing and then you do the same bad thing like that is almost worse of you to have done it than of them to have done it i guess that's kind of right. what i'm trying to yeah, say yeah i guess because like as guys, it's not like we were, like, the objectification of women is bad, so we're going to objectify them. That's not what we did initially. Right. But what women would then be doing by doing what we're talking about is saying the objectification is bad, so we're going to do it back kind of thing. I don't think it's out of spite like No, that. like, no. I just think there, I just don't think that, I mean, and I'm not talking generally about women, it's these Specific people in the comments, of which I would assume they are representative of some percentage of women that feel this yeah. way, that it's it's just the hypocrisy of it that they either aren't realizing or are unwilling to realize. I don't think that they are purposefully saying, no, only hot guys, just to spite men. I don't think that, that, that that's the logic. Right. I, I think you and I are dancing around a concept that the listeners understand what we're trying to say. And we're just not quite fair getting enough. it perfectly right. But I think people know what we're trying to yeah. say. And yeah, hopefully give enough. us the benefit of the doubt and that we're not being shitty idiots. Yeah, and, like, the core of it, it just comes down to, like, why not also us? Like like I said, why would it have been so hard to hire a, a, an overweight man for that ad? 
And I've seen many ads from MeUndies. I'm almost positive it's MeUndies. Of other plus-size women. I've seen probably 20 different model photos. Probably half of them are plus-size women. I have not seen, seen a single man that doesn't have a six-pack in one of their photos. That is sexist. That is sexist, period. There is no argument that is not sexist. That is not equal representation for different sexes. Right. That is what is frustrating to me. It's like we're replacing male-driven sexism with female-driven sexism. I know that's not actually right. what's happening, but like that's how it feels. Yeah. Like Instead of being sexist against women as a society, now we are, we are being more accepting of women and instead still being sexist of men. Right. Like, like What's the fucking point of that? We're, we talk about equality. Let's do some fucking equality. Ugh. I guess I was more frustrated about this than I initially right. thought. <laughs> so I guess we will end the episode, as we all do, with some positivity so that I don't spend the rest of my Sunday being angry. <laughs> so I'll say today I do not hate vacation days. So we were recently off for Memorial Day, so I had an extra Monday at home. I'm taking off Monday for E3, and I'm really excited to do nothing except play video games and watch video, video game live streams. Vacation days are amazing. Yeah, like so for E3, my buddy Cody and I, we always get together, and I am, I cannot explain how excited I am to be excited alongside him again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't hate that I'm done with work. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, well, basically, I, I basically have nothing to do, and like all the stuff that I have to do this summer is stuff on my house that I want to do and that you I want to be like the engineer of the project for yeah. like Kara. Cause she was in uh, my fiance. She was in rock of ages. She was the lead. She was Sherry um, uh, in the musical rock of ages. And as part of the set, they had this big um, city mural that was like black skyscrapers and like a sunset dusk thing. It looks really cool. But they did it on this giant four by eight thing of Luan uh, wood, compressed wood. Um, so it's this giant painting on this wood piece. She took it home um, okay. because they were like, who wants this? So now we have it, and she wants to put it on the living room <laughs> wall. So now I'm, like, trying to engineer a way to, like, make it look good and, like, make a frame mm-hmm. for it to where it doesn't look like I just tacked, like, trim onto a wood board. Like, I'm trying to, like, I'm going to, like, inset it a little bit. There's, like, some there's some construction stuff that goes into it. I need to find the studs in the wall. So I can make sure, because it's this big, heavy piece of wood. It's like going to be like 30-some pounds. Um, mm-hmm. I need to make sure it doesn't just tear out the drywall. i got to put it into the studs, and i got to center it right. So it'll be an adventure. I have all these projects <laughs> I'm doing this summer that I'm really excited about. As if I don't get enough building experience doing all of the sets myself <laughs> for the shows. Yeah, if you like it, why yeah. not? It's different when you're doing it for yourself. Yeah, though. yes, absolutely. And like, I feel like putting this fire pit and stuff into the backyard... Like, that's something mm-hmm. that can increase the value of my home and make it nicer. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm going to power wa- – I'm picking up a power washer today. I'm going to power wash the back deck because it's nasty. Um, yeah, I'm excited. They uh, – Kara's parents came over yesterday, and she and they, mm-hmm. after going to the Strawberry Festival in Troy, Ohio, um, <laughs> they came back and they totally redid the front pl- – um, landscaping section where we have like flowers and stuff uh-huh. with these big ugly plants and it sucked they tore them out they put in all new flowers new mulch cleaned it up and nice. it looks super great we have a hibiscus plant out Ooh. there now which is just fun to say and, like the tr- because it's <laughs> yeah. hibiscus and the trunk is mm-hmm. all twisted and they, they have these 
really vibrant red flowers. It's really pretty. Hibiscus. That's yeah, a man. good word. You guys should turn into uh, like house flippers. No. <laughs> I'm going to do it this once. And I feel like at the end of yeah. it, I'm going to be like, that was awesome. This is great. I'm glad I only have to do right. it once. <laughs> you can make a ton of money you that can, way, though. I'll tell sure. you how much. For sure. Uh, I know Kelly, like, she, that's a dream job of hers is to do that kind of thing because she loves those projects. Yeah. I, I do not. Yeah. I mean, it would be great to have the capital to, like, only be only have to do the theater stuff at the school and then use the rest of right. my time doing this kind of thing. But right. I'm not knowledgeable enough and I don't have enough capital to <laughs> generate a project yeah. like this. So, yeah. Well, cool. It's going to wrap up this supersized episode Holy of the Shea Everything yeah. podcast. This is literally uh, like so, almost two episodes. Yeah. Um, like I said, check out the website, shayitseverything.com, for movie reviews and rankings and stuff that we talked about, as well as some E3 content coming in hot and heavy. We'll have the show notes for this episode up where you can check out the links to the news stories we talked about. And I guess uh, send us some emails. We, I brought that up a couple weeks ago when we actually got some. Our number one fan, Aaron, <laughs> sent us in an email. So, Aaron, send us in another question. And if someone else wants to send us a question, that's even better. So send us your emails to info at shayhateseverything.com. Or you can check out the Facebook page slash shayhateseverything and leave a comment or a message there. And that's going to do her. Man, I feel like you should start wrapping that at the top of the show. Because I feel like no one's going to stick around for three and a half hours. <laughs> Aaron is the only one idea. listening at this point. That's a good idea. I need to write that. I'll, I'll add that to our uh, episode outlines to put the, the pleading and begging up front. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's a PR uh, right, box so, where you can um, send us checks. <laughs> and uh, last plug I'll make is, uh, again, make sure you check out next episode coming in two weeks after E3. We'll be doing our full E3 recap extravaganza. So we will see you guys in that one for probably another supersized episode. Take care, everybody, and peace out. Peace out.